Your move, creep. Mission Black Freezer. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. Okay, guys. So it's been a few weeks, but we're back. Took an extra week off. Just decided that, you know, we we wanted to rethink this week's episode because originally Austin and I were going to talk about a different kind of film. We we're going to talk about something that was kind of relevant to the 4th of July. And, you know, we we like keeping things topical, you know, like we'll do like Spider-Man when Doctor Strange is out or we'll, you know, last July we did uh, or our first July episode, we did um, Independence Day, right? And we kind of mm-hmm. wanted to keep in theme with this year. And, you know, I had some films lined up. You know, I wanted to talk about Glory featuring Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick. Great film. I remember watching it. Uh, oh, also, just a heads up. If you could hear, if you hear, like, pops in the background, that's because we are recording this on 4th of July. <laughs> We're trying to record it early so that you don't hear too many of them. Yes, but you will hear them in the background from time to time because it's... Hey, even though the sun is still up, people are still lighting fireworks for some reason. Uh, so if you hear that stuff, just, just be aware it's fireworks. But... I wanted to talk about Glory. There were a couple of other films. But then, a few weeks ago, as a lot of you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, meaning that a lot of states can make abortions illegal, which is, which Austin and I believe is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I look, I, so the movie we're going to be talking about today is about abortions, specifically about abortions in a, a country where they are illegal in Europe. Um, so if, if this already makes you uncomfortable, then I, I don't know what, like, this might not be the episode for you, but we decided to talk about it. We decided yeah. to see, Hey, like, let's talk about a movie that brings this issue up. And yeah, cause I, I think sometimes like people want to avoid controversial subjects like abortion, but I, I think just not talking about it makes it easier for people in power to abuse it. You know what I mean? Like this, it's not something that we talk about, so it's not something that some people seem to care about. You know what I mean? There's a, it's definitely part of the population that does doesn't see the big deal about this, and that's that's terrible. Like this is a big deal. This is this does affect everybody, really. Absolutely, and. On the podcast, you know, we look, we love talking about superheroes and stuff. We love talking about fun, you know, superhero cinema. We, you know, we we spent weeks just going back and forth between Spider-Man and Star Wars. Like, we love that nerdy shit. But this isn't just that, though. Like, this isn't called superhero grade. <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's retrograde. We like to cover various types of films from different eras, different filmmakers, because while films can be entertaining, they are an art form. And it is important to look back and see how this has how how well some stuff has aged, and what the, what the takeaway is, and whether the filmmakers did a successful job with it, and also how we feel about them today. Because I tell you what, I was I'm a different person now in 2022 than I was in 2007 when this movie came out. 
Oh my god, absolutely. The, the world is a different place too. So going back, it's almost like a a different perspective. You know what I mean? And you're that's what the movies are. They're different perspectives. It's the world through somebody else's eyes. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. Find out what makes them tick, what they feel about, what they care about. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. If it's a great movie, it lets you understand a little bit more about what it's like to be a different gender, a different race, a different age, a different economic class. Uh, a different nationality, different profession, different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. And that to me is the most noble thing that good movies can do, and it's a reason to encourage them and to support them and to go to them. Uh, and I think that's what makes movies so great. Like you're, you're seeing something that is true. It, not because, like Star Wars, it's got lightsabers and magic powers and spaceships and stuff, but at, at its core, it is about hope. You know, hope when things seem dark. That's that's why we like. That's why I like Star Wars, mm -hmm. right? Something in the story, seeing it from that perspective, and just getting a glimpse into into the world from somebody else's eyes. You know, because we only see things through our own eyes. You know, and if you only see things from your perspective, I don't think you'll you'll learn a lot about the world. So with this movie, we're seeing the world through the perspective of somebody who needs an abortion, but her country has made it illegal. So now it's, it's kind of like a, a thriller. It's a very tense situation. And it's about this woman getting help from her friend. So it's about friendship and doing, doing something for your friend, t putting yourself at risk because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's something that I think might happen to a lot of a lot of people now people who are in states that have trigger banned states where they, they can't get an abortion and th they need one you know what are what's the world going to look like for them what what are their next actions what are they thinking about you know it's i don't think that we do ourselves any favors by just you know saying it's not my problem so why why should i think about it that's so that's so terrible Mm -hmm. We share this world with so many people, you know? Absolutely. And for people who don't know, what movie are we going to be talking about this week, Austin? Uh, this week, we will be talking about a Romanian film from 2007 called Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, directed by Christian Munju. I think that's how you say his name. It's, it's Romanian, and I've been looking for people pronouncing it, and that's the best I could do. When we watch the movie and do the more research, I'm sure we'll find the proper way to say the name. Uh, I've never seen this movie. In fact, I've never even heard of this movie until You've you never heard of this movie. Never heard of it. Okay. Never. Interesting. It was something that we ne never talked about. Never spoke about. In fact, I have. I don't think I've ever spoken, or or spoken or li or watched Romanian cinema. In fact, or I don't think I can. I might have, but I can't specifically point to it. Do you know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah, it's not something that I think of when I think of like European cinema. You know, when I think of European cinema, I think Italian, French, German, but not Romanian. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that that they don't have good films. Like this film was, according to the BBC, ranked number 15 on their list of the 100 greatest films of the 21st century. 15. 15. So of all the movies that came out from 2000 onward, in 2016, the BBC said, this is the 15th best movie. And yet, you haven't heard of it. No, I've never heard of it. And let me, let me, it, tell, let me it, ask you this. Have you heard of uh, Juno? Absolutely, 100%. Have you heard of Knocked Up? 100%. Both films, all three films came out in the same year. And they all have one thing in common, an unplanned pregnancy. Whoa, holy shit. I didn't even think about it until you said it that way. Yeah, and the way that those other, the American movies handle it is very different from the way this movie handles it. And I I remember, for some reason, the movies, I didn't know that they were, they came out in the same year until I started reading up a little bit about this movie in preparation for this part. But when I was in high school, I had a calculus substitute teacher who would come in when our teacher was, had to like, you know, be absent, she was sick or, or had to go to a conference or something. And he would always talk to me about movies. And he was like a much older guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he would t- talk about these art films. And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, I like Blue Velvet. And he's like, oh, Blue Velvet. I just wanted to see him like throw out like my artsy taste to him, right? Mm-hmm. And then he he asked me if I had, if I sh- had seen Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. And I'm like, no, I haven't heard of it. And he's like, you should see it. It's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. And, and we were talking about other movies. And he was like, I didn't like Juno. Wait, wait, you, oh, he didn't like Juno. <laughs> he didn't like Juno. And I'm, and to this day, those are like the only two things that I can remember like him recommending versus not recommending. So for some reason, the two had always been linked in my head. And then fast forward till, to today, and I'm reading up a little bit about four, this four months, three three weeks, two days, and I'm seeing it compared to Knocked Up and Juno, and I'm like, oh, they have kind of a similar premise, but in the American films, how it's handled is very different. Very different. Even just, because I haven't seen the film we're going to talk about today, but I, I, you know, I pulled up the IMDb page, I saw some screen grabs, saw, like, the trailer without any audio. It already looks very different. And the way you were describing Mm -hmm. it, it's like, it's closer to a thriller than, say, Knocked Up which is a Judd Apatow right. comedy, and Juno, which is a quirky coming-of-age story with Elliot Page yeah. and Michael Sarah, like the quirkiest couple that you could think of. Yeah. So already very different re- uh, representations of this mm-hmm. similar topic. There's, I don't think that there's very many American films about the topic because it is so controversial. In fact, this movie, you know, the BBC ranked it at number 15, this movie wasn't even nominated for the Oscars, for the Oscars of, of that year. For for foreign film, right? For foreign film. It was not nominated. Well, Because you know why. Because it's about abortion. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. This topic is so just controversial that, you know, you, you can't even... There's a whole joke in Knocked Up about them not being able to say the word, right? That's wild. And we even experienced this slightly because when we were talking about oh, Dirty yeah. Dancing, right? The, so uh, we can see, yeah, we can see where people stop listening to two episodes 
right? Mm-hmm. And because like we want to make sure that we're doing a good job, we're kind of like looking to make sure people are listening and they're listening all the way through. But there was a noticeable dip in audience engagement once we brought up the topic of abortion in Dirty Dancing to the to the the, the exact time code, which is so I- <laughs> which is so weird because I hadn't seen it. Right. I, so I didn't know that abortion was part of the plot because growing mm-hmm. up, all you see is Patrick, Pat, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey dancing and being romantic and stuff. And that those that's the, those are the images that I grew up with. But I didn't know that abortion played a role in the plot. So and it is so, so important to it. Yes. That st- the, some sponsors wanted to remove it, but it was just so ingrained in the script that they couldn't remove it. And the the writer didn't want to remove it. She she made that a point. To keep it in there. And it's insane because even as someone who hadn't seen the film, just bringing that up, because I'm pretty sure I was the one that brought it up where I was like, I, I can't believe that this was like, I, I don't know that this was part of the story. Mm-hmm. Just even mentioning that and people are like, oh, got to tune away. Can't listen to this. Yeah. It's it's already too controversial. And it's like, we're just even talking, we're just talking about the fact that it's in the story. <laughs> yeah. More people should be talking about this right i think so i i think that people think either like you're you're pro-choice or you're you're pro-choice and don't want to say anything because you know some people are pro-life i guess or vice versa yeah if you're pro-life you don't want to say you're pro-life because people that are pro-choice you're worried that they might get on you about that and it's like it's people are going to die because of this you know (sighs) we should we should talk about it we should normalize it we, we should because I, I don't know i it just doesn't seem right to ignore it no no you know, it just doesn't seem right to, ig- to ignore what's happening and then do some patriotic fourth of july movie like nothing's happening you know it just it feels wrong yeah and the thing is too i think we need to acknowledge the fact that look what we see the entertainment that we consume shapes us a lot Mm-hmm. right we may not really think of it you know but it does right like yeah. there are subliminal messages and images that stay with us that shape us and that's that's just it's basic that 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 is a that is a very basic statement i'm sure a psychologist just could break it down even more but that is that is real if you don't think that the entertainment that you watch has somehow shaped you into the person that's wrong yeah it doesn't mean that Oh, this video game is violent, therefore I am becoming more violent. No, 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 no. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. There are like certain messages and ways that people talk that we can that we that we kind of internalize. Friends is a yes. great example of that. You know, that that show shaped entire generations of friends and how they spoke to each other and stuff, right? The the sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff, right? Star Wars. Star Wars, right? Like that oh, yeah. big, big example. And it's really interesting, though, because growing up, there wasn't a lot of television or movies that I watched that revolved around kind of topics around women. And I've mentioned this before in Legally Blonde, right? Where I, mm-hmm. I never saw it. And I was like, that's a chick flick. Yeah. But that movie talks about harassment. It kind of, mm-hmm. you, you know, when her professor tries to, like, hit on her. Yeah. And that's something that's like, that I think some people might watch that and go like, oh, that they're exaggerating. That wouldn't happen. You know, and they just write it off. But it's like, no, well, well, you can't. The, it, it's exaggerated because it's a movie, but there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. That, that yeah. there's someone who lived that sort of experience before, and I, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. A lot of women have gone through that certain 
that experience of having an older man in a superior, not, not superior, but in a supervisory position kind of use their power, right? But because abuse I avoided... Abuse their power. Huh? Abuse their power. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, abuse their power. So it's like, but because I avoided movies like that just because it was a chick flick, those weren't really stories that I saw all the way through. I think I mentioned this before, but I didn't know what the word feminism was until college. Mm-hmm. I was that I went into college when I was 17. But that wasn't a phrase that I had ever heard on our school mm-hmm. on our high school campus and it wasn't something that I had seen in our media. Yeah. Right? It was something that had to be that was taught to me by other people. Yes, it some people will say it's ju- this is just a movie. And you know, yeah, sometimes it's just a movie. Like, you know, yeah, you sometimes watch a movie in theaters and it's just a movie, you know. But other times it's not just a movie. And other mm-hmm. times it's not just that one movie. Sometimes it's a whole bunch of movies that talk about this that we're willingly ignoring because it makes us slightly uncomfortable. Or, you know, because because of what people might say or because of it'll make us feel uncomfortable and stuff. And it's like... I, and and here's the thing. I wonder how many people were like me. I, I mean, I'm still ignorant about, about a bunch of shit. We all are. Yeah, but I wonder how many people are kind of in that same position where it's like, I avoid these types of movies because I just, you know, I don't get them. I don't... I mean, I watch movies way more frequently and way more often than most people out there. But I've mm-hmm. never even heard of four months, three weeks, and two days. So what are the chances that an average viewer is going to sit down to watch a film from 2007 from Romania about abortions? What what are the chances of that? Very low. Very I low. Think. If they're if they're American anyway, but maybe I don't know. Maybe we some somebody's listening to this and someone's finding out about this movie, and maybe they'll I don't know put themselves in the perspective of people that are going to be affected by the decisions the Supreme Court has made recently. You know. Yeah. Maybe we'll learn something. Oh, I shit, man! I've learned something in every episode we do. I'm definitely going to learn something. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I'm definitely going to learn about this. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this film. This is a very difficult subject. There's still a lot for us to learn about. But we will have some help, won't we? Yes, we will. We'll have some help from someone who I'm I'm confident is going to help guide the light for us. Well, we are going to be inviting co-host of the Impure Rethought podcast. She does a podcast about how purity patriarchy and profit have shaped our country and a few weeks ago right around when the the memo of the decision was leaked in may she and her co-host uh released an episode on compulsory motherhood so she's kind of covered this topic before so that she'll be a great uh resource for us to to help us learn about stuff that and maybe even answer questions that we didn't even think to ask so it's gonna be great yeah no but i'm very excited to have her on i'm very excited to watch this movie and this is where we normally talk about like the box office but i don't think we have that info well we do have the info of 2007 oh yes 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 um this movie came out in 2007 and i can see where four months three weeks and uh oh no i can't it's not even on the top i don't even know if it had a domestic release it it did it did. It did. It only okay. grossed. Oh, I see it. Yeah, it only grossed one point two million over uh, over 1. here in the U.S. Million. Yes, but it it had a a budget of so it had a budget of six hundred thousand euros, which 
converts to $626,000. So the one euro is just a little bit weaker than the American dollar. Uh, and it grossed inter- internationally $9.8 million. So it was a financial success. Okay. But it, it didn't do very well in the States. 2007, at the domestic box office, it was number one was Spider-Man 3. Number two, Shrek the Third. Number three, Transformers. Ooh. Number four, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Five, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Number six, The Bourne Ultimatum. Then 300, Ratatouille, I Am Legend, The Simpsons Movie. At 11, Wild Hogs. And at number 12, Knocked Up, the Jed Apatow movie we were just talking about. You know, so essentially this movie made a little over 10 million, which is great off a budget of 600,000. Beautiful numbers. This movie was critically acclaimed as a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 146 critics. And it has an 86% audience score. That's with uh, over 25,000 audience audience, uh, reviews. So critically, smash hit. Super big success. It does raise the question, why wasn't this campaigned? to be at the Oscars, you know, despite being a really, really, really good movie, you know, critically and audience wise. Why wasn't this nominated? I And I think the, and we'll, we'll honestly look into that. I think the answer is pretty straightforward though. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. And we've seen this time and time again, where y'all have foreign films that sometimes are a bit uh, controversial or sometimes straight up weird that just mm-hmm. don't get the recognition that they deserved. I know last year there was this uh, movie called Titan. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very controversial film, but it was great, beautiful. But you watch it, it's like, yeah, there's no way this is getting an Oscar nomination. And it didn't because the movie was really mm-hmm. weird. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Because uh, I, I do know this movie is really is very well critically acclaimed, but there is some some stuff about it that I'm like, I'm curious about because uh, Christian Minju has said that this wasn't about abortion, that it didn't take a side in the debate. And I'm like, wait, what? So I'm, I'm curious to see about, about that. If that's just, you know, somebody saying something so that they don't turn people off mm-hmm. on it, or if it absolutely does take a side, or if it depends on how you see the movie, like what do you take away from it? Um, so I'm curious to see if that where how the movie uh, tackles the the I, the concept of abortion and how much it goes into the perspective of the the women, you know, because it is directed by a male director, mm-hmm. a cis male director, and it was written by him as well, and it's based off of an anecdote that somebody, a friend, told him, a, a verbal anecdote. So. I don't know. I'm curious to see how much of it feels like an authentic uh, perspective or if it comes off as like something's missing. So maybe maybe Victoria will will help us there mm-hmm. or something. We'll see. Absolutely. And and that's something that's been re- that's actually a really interesting point is that now nowadays there's kind of been a shift to kind of who can tell these stories and who can't. And that's happened mm-hmm. 15 years later. Right now and uh, yeah. it's not, it, and again it's not entirely missing but that conversation is something that is being acknowledged now whereas in 2007 or maybe because i was so young and not listening but was that as big of a conversation as it was then i i don't know so um 
It's gonna be really interesting. This is gonna be an interesting film. And look, and guys, come like I, you know, if you're listening to this and this upsets you, right? This topic upsets you. This movie just doesn't sound up your alley. You don't have to watch it, and you don't have to finish the rest of the episode. But I encourage you to because, like, there are all types of movies. You don't know what the takeaway is for for all of them. You think you might, but you don't. Give something a chance. You know, like this movie is less than two hours. You know, if you don't like it, then hey, you don't like the movie. How about you give the film a chance? You know, a team of people worked real hard on this. Give it a shot. This isn't something that most of you are that's on your watch list. You don't know what you're going to walk away from. And that's what we always encourage you guys just to give something a chance because you don't know what the takeaway is. And if you don't like it, that's perfectly fine. It's a piece of art and anything in art is up to criticism. But then you'll be able to articulate why you don't instead of just saying, well, this movie looks like it's about this. So I just don't like it because we don't need any more of that. The world has plenty of that. (laughs) I don't like this person because they look like this or they sound like that. Oh, this looks like a shitty movie. And 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 I'll say this. I've done that. I've done it. Like we're, mm-hmm. we've all done it. But yeah. it's about kind of acknowledging that and saying, "No, let's let's be a bit more open about this stuff." So, no, just sit down and watch it. And it's only 2 hours. It's not uh, Come on. We're on our phones for longer than that. Yeah, and it don't like if you're if you don't like believe in abortion, just don't get one. Don't mess with other people that are trying to get one you know it's it's a personal thing and if if the if you're like writing off the people that get one as monsters i think movies like this they put a human story to it you know it's they're not killing babies right it's not i i hate that that that, that's the the argument that that the the pro-life side chooses to to employ you know like if if you're so pro life, then why don't you take care of the the kids after they're born? Why do you defund all those programs? The whole like the whole like wording of of pro life was actually invented to to counter the pro choice movement because I think before they were just anti choice and they're like, well, that sounds bad. Let's remarket ourselves. Let's rebrand ourselves. So it wasn't really about being pro life in the first place. It just sounds better. So yeah, guys, um, gonna be a difficult episode. Uh, but please, we encourage you to watch along with us. You can watch the movie on the Criterion Collection. You could also rent it, and it's on Roku as well. It is. You could rent it on Prime, but it's not on Prime Video. For $2.99, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, $2.99. Yeah. All right. So with that, we'll see you in one minute. Hello, everybody. We are back from watching. Four months, three weeks, and two days. Directed by Christian Minjou. Joining us is Victoria 
or Vika, That's depending me. on how you know her. <laughs> Hi, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you on the podcast. So uh, we were just talking a little bit before that you are actually our first guest in 2022. Yeah, I'm so honored. <laughs> you actually host your own podcast. I do. You want to talk about it a little bit before we get started? Yes. So I host with my friend Maggie from high school, Empire Rethought, which is a podcast. Uh, our official tagline is a podcast that examines how purity, patriarchy, and profit shape Western culture. Um, so we look a lot at the influence of Christianity and Puritanism specifically on how um, American culture still operates today. And this, um, the next episode that I'm researching, I know I've talked to Austin about this a little bit, but the next episode that I'm researching is actually about religion in the Soviet Union and Eastern Bloc. So it like worked out really well with the timing of being invited to talk about this movie. Awesome. Beautiful. It's like a part one, part two. Yeah, exactly. And what's really great is that this topic, we're going to get into this topic really really deeply in in terms of the actual setting that the film takes place in but also in contemporary times kind of what's happening right now and kind of how filmmakers have also talked about this uh this topic so it's gonna be really great it's like a wombo combo <laughs> yeah very <excited>. wombo combo <laughs> very all right excited. um so before we you know actually tell people what does before we spoil the film we we, we talk about mm-hmm. the the plot what is everyone's general thoughts on the film? Uh, we, Vika, Victoria, you want to go first? Uh, Wait, have you heard of this movie before? No, I had never heard of it. Um, I okay. did look it up on Wikipedia, and I think it won the con or it won the Palm Door, right? At con? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is that how you say that? Yeah. Oh con. my God. I know. I'm sorry to be a pretentious <laughs> French speaker, but <laughs> no, I, I I want to know because I've I've always said it Palm Dior, um, but it's just Palm Dor. If I was being like really pretentious, it would be like Palm Dor, but I'm American, so oh. I don't do that. Wait, how oh, do you say how do you say croissant? Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe a little less aggressively than that. It's like croissant. <laughs> yeah. Croissant. Uh, Every like every R in the French language makes it sound like like you're like coughing mm. with phlegm. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, I had I had never heard of this movie before. Um, I have been to Romania, but it's not somewhere that I'm like super familiar with beyond knowing that it was like behind the Iron Curtain. Um, I actually mm-hmm. didn't know that abortion was illegal there for such a long time and i think it's still pretty restrictive to get a an abortion yeah in yeah i'd never heard of it like art house films are not like generally my vibe um as george can attest to because we went to film school together um <laughs> uh, i tend to like prefer things that are a little more like tightly plotted and paced but i will say mm-hmm. that uh, this movie definitely made me think. I don't think it's going to be a rewatch for me, but like I fa- I thought it had like valuable stuff to say in it. Cool. Uh I I was recommended this movie by a substitute teacher I had in high school. And he didn't say what it was about. He just said it was a really good movie and that I should see it if I'm into film. Hmm. And he also said he didn't like Juno. And those are the two <laughs> things I remember from the substitute teacher. And I finally watched this movie and I was I was very impressed. I was like in it. I was stressing out. And mm-hmm. I love how 
there's not a lot there's not like complicated stuff happening in the production of the movie there's no score yeah there's no special effects it's just people acting in really long takes and i was like in it yeah as much as i was in it for something like children of men which was oh my god in this in the same year uh, also uh, this a lot one came of out a year takes. after a year after yeah but close enough yeah. but it, it didn't need all millions of dollars to like make it happen it was i was i was really blown away by that part of it yeah i remember uh while i was watching it because i i lived in russia for like three years so i lived in like a, the mm-hmm. post-soviet russia i remember thinking like this is exactly what this area of the world looks like and it's like i'm there like it, it felt very real <laughs> interesting that's i watched a, a girl talk about this movie with her parents and mm-hmm. her parents were romanian and they all said that like yeah this this is accurate i feel like i'm back in communist romania and mm-hmm. those were not good memories <laughs> yeah jesus what did you think of the movie george um i'm glad you said children of men because i was getting very children of men vibes from this movie um a <laughs> hundred yeah I'm, I'm so glad you said that because like okay it's not just me then um you know it's a it's a difficult topic uh, to talk about, to write, produce, direct, to to exhibit this film, but uh, I loved it. I I'm kind of like on you with you. Like it's it was gripping. It's a two hour movie. It's a little less than two hours, mm-hmm. but I was hooked the entire time. I was not bored for a single yeah. instance, and I was a little like lost in terms of the technicality of like, oh, what's kind of happening here? But the movie is built that way. It's constructed that way, so you kind of find out things slowly and surely but um it is very much like children of men there's um it's not a difficult story or plot but it's like kind of ambiguous in kind of what what's happening and what this means for certain people and like the relationships you know it's mm-hmm. um and it's a movie about a big topic you know and both deal with um with birth the babies you know <laughs> um yeah yeah, this had super children men vibes. Uh, I I love the movie. It is difficult to watch. I definitely had to like pause. There's like the hour mark, and yeah. I was just like, oh, I need to stop watching this, and I need to like go on a walk or something, because <laughs> because it, it gets rough. It gets rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, but it's just before so... we, oh, you want to see something else? Oh yeah, and well, just not even the not just the story, uh, but the way it's filmed. Like yeah. the choices that they did in filming and editing and just the actors like as a film, it's incredible. Like it holds up. It's beautiful story, gripping to watch. So there is, uh, I guess I should probably mention this now, but there is a, a sexual assault that happens mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, as I get older, I'm, I'm more sensitive to them. Um, so if, if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to watch a movie with sexual assault in it, then maybe don't watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't mind spoilers, if you want to continue listening to this episode, we usually break down the story of the movie so that in case you're driving or something and you've seen the movie before but you don't remember what happened or you want to know what the movie's about so you can enjoy the rest of the episode, we will talk about the story right now. Uh, we open in a dorm that's kind of chaotic, and we're introduced to our like main protagonist, Atilia. Um, she's talking to her roommate, Gabby, Gabita, she calls her, um, and they're 
kind of making arrangements for a plan and they're going around trying to borrow money from people and trying to pack down, track down a pack of Kent's, Kent cigarettes, which I thought was really funny and something that was well done throughout the film. Like that kept coming back. We kind of understand that the money is for an abortion, although it's not explicitly mentioned. I want to say until like a half hour into the film. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, it, it takes a while for you to mention it because I remember being like, wait, which one's getting? And then you can tell within like five minutes. Oh, it's definitely her. Yeah. It's the abortion. They're both, they're university students. Um, Atelia leaves the dorm, goes to visit her boyfriend um, at university before he takes exams. And I remember there's a scene where Otilia is on the bus and the ticket taker comes up to take her ticket and she borrows one from somebody else. And this other girl yeah. gets off the bus. And I was like, wow, that still happens. That happened so many times in Russia. Mm -hmm. That was just funny. It was funny to me. Anyways, little details like that are all throughout the film that just make it feel very like real and lived in. So Atelia goes to visit her boyfriend Adi at university um, before his exam. He invites her to his house that night because it's his mother's birthday. He asks her to bring flowers and not to be late and she says, I'm sorry, I can't make it. He asks why and she kind of dodges the question and they fight and then eventually she says, I don't know how, but I'll be there. I'll make it. Um, from there, Atelia goes to a hotel that um, Gabita has reserved and finds that there's been a problem with the booking because Gabita didn't come in person to reserve the hotel and now the hotel is completely booked. Um, but they need the room in order to have the abortion procedure. So she goes to a different hotel um, and manages after lots of finagling to get a hotel at a very expensive rate um, for three nights. And then... From there, she goes and meets Mr. Bebe, who is the man who will perform the abortion. Um, there's like generally... Bebe means baby in Romanian, by the way. Oh, wow. I, ne I never would have guessed. I <laughs> it's like impossible for me to hear it without hearing it in the voice of Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. It's like Mr. Bebe. <laughs> 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 but so Otilia meets Mr. Bebe and finds out that Gabita has told um, Mr. Bebe that they are sisters instead of roommates as they actually are he gets angry with her for not having a reservation in one of the hotels that uh, he asked Gabita to because previously Gabita had spoken to Mr. Bebe on the phone, even though he had asked to meet her in person. Um, and eventually they do go back to the hotel that Gabita is at. And um, Mr. Bebe gets very angry that Gabita has basically told a bunch of fibs that make it very... Uh, complicated. Uh, the most important of which is that Gabita has told Mr. Bebe that she's two months pregnant when she's actually this is where the title of the movie comes in, four months pregnant and I think we can assume it's four months, three weeks, and two days. So she's closer to four yeah. to five months which changes the charge from abortion to a murder charge. 
the two women at this point are being like berated by Mr. Bebe for not following his instructions. And then they are trying to beg him not to leave because it seems like he might not perform the abortion on Gabita after all. And they are telling him that they had to spend some of the money to get the hotel so they don't have as much money at which point he asks them did i ever mention money and it becomes clear that he expects both women to have sex with him like in service for the abortion they both do otilia goes first and then gabita goes and then mr bebe performs the abortion um on gabita and then leaves at this point Atilia, having been sexually violated like moments before, leaves to go to Adi's house to his mother's birthday party, where she is um, visibly upset and annoyed and starts being kind of harassed by one of his uh, mother's friends, and they're mostly doctors, so the class differences are very intellectuals. Yeah. And the guy who harasses her says something about, I can't believe that you would dare to smoke in front of your boyfriend's parents. Like, younger generations these days have no respect. Um, Then she and Adi have a... They go to Adi's room and they have an argument about uh, what they would... Where Otilia tells Adi where she actually was and why she's been... um, MIA that day is that she was helping Gabita have an abortion and they have an argument about what they would do if Otilia got pregnant. Um, it's implied that they are not very careful with contraception and Adi says he's opposed to abortion and if that if Otilia got pregnant, he would marry her, which Otilia doesn't like. She says, I'm not serving my, I'm not spending my whole life serving potatoes to you. Fr- from there, Otilia calls Gabita in the hotel room she doesn't pick up. So Otilia is concerned that something has gone wrong, rushes back to the hotel room, finds Gabita asleep, um, having successfully expelled the fetus, which is lying in the bathroom. Gabita asks Otilia to bury it, and she says, uh, which is important previously, when Mr. Bebe was berating them about not following instructions, he had told Otilia not to bury the fetus because dogs would dig it up. So he told her to drop it off of a building um, into like a trash chute somewhere that it that it wouldn't be found. And so Gabita asks Otilia to bury the fetus. And Otilia says she will, um, takes it in her bag, spends some very stressful minutes trying to figure out what to do with this fetus wrapped in a bag um, and ends up actually throwing it off of a building into a trash chute. Then she goes back to the hotel, finds Gabita not in the room, um, and looks around for her, finds her at the hotel restaurant where she finds Gabita having a full meal. Um, Gabita tells her that they will never talk of this again. And then we end on a shot of Otilia just staring at Gabita blankly while she eats. Perfect summary. Thanks. That's all. I mean, what's interesting about that summary is like, yeah, pretty basic, straightforward. But man, there is just so much nuance in all these scenes. Uh, That ending, like her 
going around looking for a place to dump the fetus. <sighs> yeah. So stressful. Yeah, dude. Oh my god. That was that was one of the most stressful movies I've like ever experienced in my life. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. maybe second only to Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby. Oh, that um, recently came out, right? Shiva Baby came out at the end of last year, I want to say. That movie is so it's the the basic premise of Shiva Baby Shiva Baby is like a girl runs into her sugar daddy at um a Shiva and like they both find out all of these like lies about each other but they're like in public with like their spouse and parents it's so str- it's really stressful but anyways i i heard very good stuff about that movie it's good but it did like nearly give me a panic attack you would really like it george oh, i think mm. <laughs> i i love those i love those stressful yeah. movies but back to the movie yeah. that, that we're actually talking about yeah that <laughs> those like last 10 minutes or so where she's trying to figure out how to dispose of the fetus and uh something i thought was really interesting in the movie was they actually show you the full shot of the disposed fetus i feel like that's something that yeah. never like we never see in mm-hmm. movies for like obvious reasons i actually looked it up afterwards because i was like oh that looks a little too baby like to be like four months and uh so i was like looking up diagrams of the of what a fetus looks like at four months and it did seem like the head was maybe a little too formed um but mm-hmm. i'll i'll give it to him um as far as i know i don't think i've ever seen a fetus um in that in that stage i mean like outside of biography uh, biology books and stuff like that but in the movie yeah i i don't think i ever have no yeah and it's like and it's like bloody too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he the director talked about that and he was like that shot's only up there for 14 seconds but people Mm -hmm. There were walkouts and people saying, how could you keep it up there for a minute? He's like, it's only 14 seconds. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't set it up to elongate the shot. It was like, it was the time that it took theatrics to go get the the prop uh, bag and towels and everything and come Mm -hmm. back. He he didn't purposely set that up to make it long. You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. and he also said, we were talking about something that he did say was, we were talking about maybe withholding the actual image of the fetus like we're not showing it and stuff but then he was like the thing about this movie is we're being completely honest and straightforward and by not showing the fetus it gives this feeling of like we're we're avoiding it on purpose to spare the audience the feeling of what these characters are going through but he's like the whole point of the movie is to show you what they're going through yeah i thought for a long while when i was staging that situation in the bathroom to show it or not, and finally it didn't feel natural not to show it. It was like avoiding it on purpose to just spare the people facing what I felt it was like with the reality of this thing. So I thought it's just fair to show it. Sometimes people tell me, well, that stands for minutes on the screen. It's not for minutes, it's like 9 seconds or 11 seconds. But the impact is quite strong. That was a very difficult moment to shoot because it was a very tiny bathroom. I didn't have enough space. I think that if I had more space, I could have had it on the shot less. I never wanted to be like exposed. But as I said, we had this principle not to move the camera unless there is a movement. So it stayed on screen, that, that picture stayed on screen as long as I needed this other girl to get inside the house, the, the, the room, and get back with her purse. And that was the moment when we could move the camera on something else. 
So I don't know. You never know. But if I would do it today, I could have it shorter. But I'm definitely sure that it was good to belong to the film. It's the only thing that you see that's like graphic in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only other scene where there's like noticeable blood. And the mm-hmm. only other times you see it is when uh, Otilia is bleeding from her nose because mm-hmm. it's so damn cold. True. Um, mm-hmm. But you no, know, it it is it's uh, it is graphic and it, yeah, I I don't think I'd ever seen a fetus like that in a movie. You know, yeah. it, it definitely like and it, it felt a lot longer than fourteen seconds when I was watching the movie. I was it like, did. this feels <laughs> a lot longer. And then I watched the interview with him, and he's like, it's only up there for a few seconds. And I go back and check the film, and like, oh, he's right. <laughs> you timed it. Yeah, I like think... yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this is. My my brain is playing tricks on me. Yeah. You know? I think it's so shocking that it feels longer because yeah. I remember I remember thinking like I can't believe they showed that and then I was mm-hmm. and then I was like I don't think I've ever seen this ever before. Yeah. And then I spent a couple more minutes trying to figure out how I felt about it. But <laughs> I still yeah, haven't I think, come down like, on an My answer. gut my gut felt like it was uh exploitative i guess yeah but as i like kind of simmered on it i was like well it feels it would feel weird if they didn't show it at all yeah i feel that i honestly like haven't fully landed on opinion my general like i would say generally my biggest critique about this movie is that it feels like it's trying too hard not to pick a side and in doing that it feels like it's picking a side itself so like what is the purpose of showing um a bloody fetus but not the sexual assault right like what what are you trying to elevate to importance based on what you're showing in the actual mise-en-scene because mm-hmm. those are two super traumatic things that happen and one of them is implied and one of them is very explicitly shown in like gory detail and is also the thing that like makes these characters lives really hard um and i don't mm-hmm. i mean i would have to write and think much more about this but that was like one of the questions that i came away with about the movie and i looked up a couple of the interviews that the director his name is Minju, right? Minju. Yeah, yeah, Minju had done. And he said, oh, we were just trying to tell the truth. And yeah, my immediate critique was like, well, if the truth is the abortion, is the truth not also the sex itself and the assault and mm-hmm. the passing of the fetus? What is the point of just showing the fetus? So that was that something that definitely point. struck me. No, 100%. Um not like the you said the sex is part of it i understand not wanting to just keep that in there because it seems like this movie is really concentrated on like the next 24 hours yes right it's kind of like one of those movies that it's like this is this is a literal day in a life for the for these characters right Mm -hmm. but the sexual assault one like when it happened i was also curious like i it it's weird or it's kind of it's very gruesome when you have a scene like that right yeah. Like rape, sexual assault, abuse. But it seems that a movie that is trying to present almost like things for what they are. Like this movie is trying to hit at a level of truth mm-hmm. that most movies work around. You know, he was, the director was saying in an interview that they include, they obviously, they very purposely avoided a soundtrack and mm-hmm. a lot of editing because it doesn't want, because they don't want to give the impression that they're manipulating these images 
you know, that, that they just want to show real life for what it is. And I'm like, okay, I, I get that point of view, but that sexual assault actually had like that, that assault happened. Right. Yeah. And we didn't see it. And the thing is too, it does affect how we see baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you, because you don't see the assault, you don't see kind of what he does and you know that what he did, you know, he's a piece of shit, but you don't see it. And it does kind of, it, it does cloud, it does cloudy up that, that event. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you choosing to show everything except this particular aspect? It also, and like, to be clear, like, I really don't like it when there's graphic sexual assault scenes in movies. Um, I will never, ever forget in my capstone class my senior year. We, I took like a class on like the cinema of war. And it there was one about the Mexican Civil War, which literally opened on a scene of a woman being like violently raped and like screaming in pain. And like that image is like seared into my mind in this day. There was mm-hmm. there was no warning about it at all. Um, and I don't like it when that happens. But I think like, in the context of this specific movie, it does present like what what are you trying to sort of sensationalize and what aren't you trying to sensationalize? So that that stuck me as a contrast. These two like very traumatic things that happen, the sexual assault, which happens to both women. And it seems like it takes a very short amount of time. And it's like a very unexpected turn of events because they think mm-hmm. they think that they're going to pay um, 3000 lei for this abortion and nothing else will happen. And then they end up paying in like much bigger ways. Um, and when it comes to the actual character of Bebe too, this was the other thing I was thinking about. This is a man who provides illegal abortion and wants sex as a payment. That seemed so like incongruous or almost like it seemed almost like he was trying to punish them for seeking out an abortion in the first place with the very like sin that he perceived that they had. And it was like out of out of his general vibe as a character. It was very unexpected from him and it seemed like it definitely seems like a punishment so it was just a weird like i don't know it was a really weird scene and this happens in like like a 25 minute monologue almost from the actor vlad ivanov who fun fact i looked up his wikipedia page and he um did the voice of king dominic in the romanian version of barbie princess and the pauper so oh my god (laughs) (laughs) for people who don't know victoria is a big fan of the barbie animated films (laughs) Uh, which i mean to be fair i also grew up watching a few of them with my sister so but just a quick fact about victoria (laughs) yeah um but i thought that was really funny those two different roles no mr baby gave me the the creeps from the the car ride Mm. like when he starts asking her where she goes to school what she's studying i'm like oh no Mm. well you know this guy's a creep you know you know it, what's interesting is I saw that and I kind of saw how he was talking about it. And I was like, I, I did get creepy vibes. But then in my head, I'm like trying to contextualize it as he's trying to be cautious because it's illegal. He could go to jail for God knows how long. I think um, he says 10 years. If they years. get caught, it's it's like he's being as straightforward as, as possible. And then he keeps going on and he's berating them more and more. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this it- is... This is- it's all about power mm-hmm. for him. He knows that these women are vulnerable and they have no choice but to 
do what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he exploits that at every single turn. He's like, well, I left my ID downstairs. I'm just, I'm in this as much as you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When that's not even his real ID. <laughs> you know? Yep. I mm-hmm. like I like that word that you use, Victoria, punishment, because it does seem like he's an adult talking to these children in like a very like you did a bad thing and now you need to be punished and stuff like that. That see you explaining it that way that way makes a lot of sense. Mm. Whereas in the film, though, I was think I was thinking the exact same thing you did. I was like, this is weird. Like this is a man who's giving abortions, but he's also he's he's straight up gonna do this. Yeah. Like. It, it, it just seems so, like, disjointed. Especially because, so after after he rapes Otilia, she comes in, you don't see that, but she comes into the bathroom and immediately starts washing herself out. So you, you can kind of assume that no protection was used. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like, it, which struck me as very odd for, like, somebody who provides abortions to do, to be that careless about um, mm-hmm. like ejaculation basically um, yeah it was like the whole scene is generally very uncomfortable and like you're kind of realizing what he's asking for like in tandem with the two girls so like I don't think I I was kind of like is he asking what I think he's asking because I think his, mm-hmm. his his exact words are like did I mention money I said we'll work something out and then I was yes. just like Oh, this is going somewhere that's, I don't like. <laughs> this is the that hundred percent, hundred fucking percent. That's the moment when I was when my heart dropped and I was like, "Oh no, he he's taking this there." Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, it 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 just it didn't make any sense. And even I was wondering that too. Like, so did they? So did he use protection? What if Otelia or what if either of the women get pregnant from this? You know, or you know, not. Gabby, yeah. but Otelia, and it's just like Otelia says she's on her period. You can get pregnant on your period. You can get pregnant on your period. Yeah, your period is. Oh my god! Your period is your body destroying the egg from the previous cycle. You have a new cycle. Oh, well, sex education is pretty bad <laughs> in Romania and here. Yeah, I think sex <laughs> education was like non-existent in romania at the time yeah and i think contraceptives were illegal too Mm -hmm. jesus man that whole scene was was questionable and 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 i will say this does the idea of a man taking advantage of of these women in this situation like it makes sense it checks out right but it it does get a little confusing when you when you start digging a little bit deeper into the logic of it and then also just not showing it, which again I I agree with you, Victoria. Like, like, are most rape scenes in in most movies justified? No, not if we're being honest. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does feel exploitative. Like yeah. it feels like it's just a sex scene. It's not a rape scene. Yeah, and I think uh, I was just gonna say I think for me like the question here is not necessarily like did this really happen. Or is this meant to show the position of power or whatever? It's like, why is this in here? Why is this necessary to this story? And I don't think that rape scenes are always unnecessary to a story, but it mm-hmm. it just in juxtaposition with the decision to show like the fetus versus the not show the sexual assault. 
that was just something that like I definitely came away thinking about. And mm-hmm. I don't even like I don't even necessarily think that this scene of the sexual assault was unnecessary, but like I would be curious to know if that was something that did commonly happen and like I don't think it's implausible at all. I don't think that I'm sure that there have been instances of it occurring in a history, but it was more like why is it in this story was where I was kind yeah. of getting a little lost. It, yeah, and it just stands out as, like, it stands out very obviously. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, so the way you're filming it, the way this looks, the way it's set up, it, it, okay, cool, I got this. Like, okay, I I know that the level that you're operating at, but this is kind of what you choose, choose to withhold. And I can respect someone saying, well, we don't want to be exploitative, we don't want it to, okay, I, I get that. But now, you know, 40 minutes later, you've you've got this fetus on the bathroom floor covered in blood. Mm-hmm. It's just it just stands out a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what you think, Austin. Uh, well, it made me uncomfortable for sure. But and as the as you, we we get to know Mr. Bebe, it becomes um, clear that he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, like with everything he says, how he how he repeats himself and says, "I'm not going to repeat myself." Mm-hmm. It is very condescending, and he's. He's coming from a position of power and he's like, he says something that sounds really judgmental to the, to Gabites. He says like, I'm not the one that had fun or something. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to slut shame you and rape you. Yeah. It feel, it's, it doesn't, it feels like he knows he can get away with this Mm -hmm. and he can, and they, they don't have any real choice over it yeah. you know so it and that's that's a thing that's repeated in the movie throughout right like she doesn't want to go to Adi's mom's birthday which will be the first time she's meeting his mom mm-hmm. right but he kind of throws a little fit and kind of makes her go yeah mm-hmm. and then she's just there sitting and just being exposed to these intellectuals having this conversation about I can't remember what it was like paint or something. And like the, the generation doesn't appreciate what it has. <laughs> that old people shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then when somebody offers her a cigarette and then he's like, excuse me, miss, you know, it's rude to smoke in front of your, your boyfriend's parents. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate it's, that guy. It just feels like they don't have any power in society with, with anybody and the only thing that they can kind of take control over is is uh not control over but the only the only safe place that they have is with each other yeah which i think is like the main theme of the movies the the friendship of gabita and otilia mm-hmm. like their their bond that's like what you root for when yeah. otilia leaves it it feels wrong because yeah you're like, where's, what about Gabita? What about Gabita? And what you if can something tell happens? She, yeah, because Mr. Bebe said, don't move. Mm-hmm. You could bleed out, but don't let anybody in. And you can't call the hospital because they're going to know you're pregnant. But if you do, say you don't know anything about pregnancy, but they'll figure it out anyway. So it's like, leaving her seems like a bad thing to do. Yeah. But she feels like she has to because as a woman, what options do you have in 1987 Romania? Mm-hmm. You know? And when as soon as she gets there to the to the house, she she makes a phone call to to the hotel, mm-hmm. oh, and there's that like bad. weird 
that weird, awkward stare down she has with the with the dad, mm-hmm. with them not saying anything. Yeah, oh, it's, so it's like, bro, I'm on the phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I I I love slash hated that dinner scene. Uh, it was Same. so like claustrophobic, and like the, I think yeah. the fact that you couldn't even see everybody who was there sitting in the frame, like, oh, I w- and. It's all one take, too. So mm-hmm. you're just, and you're on, like, Otilia's face the whole time, and people are just, like, around her. Like, the way that it's done is really artful. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, he was talking about it in the interview. Um, so the interview that I'm referencing is one that the Criterion Collection, the Criterion, mm-hmm. Criterion Company did with him. Uh, they they have like a whole section dedicated to this movie where they have alternate endings. Wow. Uh, a deleted scene, interviews with like Ethan Hawke, the director, and a critic. Hmm. It's really insightful. It's, it's, if you have the Criterion hmm. Collection, I recommend checking it out. <laughs> um, but in the interview, he's like, "Yeah, we. It took us a few days to get that because we had to block everyone. And when he shot it, they shot it on a twenty four lens, which hmm. for people who don't know, twenty four millimeters is like." A little bit wider. You know, you're able to see more of the room, a little bit more of the people. He was like, originally there were eight actors on that table. And you could see all of them on the 24 lens. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it just wasn't working. So they spent a whole day filming it on the 24. It wasn't working. Then they swapped it for a 50 millimeter. Which 50, meter, 50 millimeter is just, it, it gets in closer on the subject. So we're a lot closer on Otilia, And the people aren't. You know, the people on the outside of the table, you can't see them. You can just see their hands or their general movement, you know, kind of like your peripheral vision. And he said that's when the scene instantly clicked. Hmm. It just, that yeah. change in lens made the scene more claustrophobic. It made it more intense. It made it and you're so really you under- there with Otilia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what he said. He was like, you are, you are. Like, you are mentally at the same place she is at. In the sense that, you know, the first impulse that you're having is that you want to see the set and to see all the actors. You bring eight actors, you want to see eight actors. But the scene was not about them. The scene was about what's inside of her head, of Anna Maria's head, of Otilia's head, while she's there. Could you shoot the scene and see these people, but as a spectator be inside her mind, that was the issue, but I didn't know how to do this, you know, technically. So I just keep on shooting the whole day. I think I was using, I don't know what, uh, something like a 24 in terms of lens. And I was not getting this feeling because I was moving my eyes from one character to the other. And then I talked to the actors and I told them, well, we don't have it yet. We have to continue the next day. It was complicated, but we did. I realized that I have to be closer to her and to follow her and forget about the rest. And that was a very good, that was a big step forward in my understanding of how to shoot scenes in just one take and still have what's important. Just focus on what's important and, you know, a lot of things will gel, will, will just fall off, fell off the shot. That's, it's not important. So the next morning I shot the same scene with the 50 maybe. And all of a sudden, from eight or ten people who are sitting at the table, I could follow three. And if you watch the scene, after one minute or two, you start following her. And for a few minutes, you just follow her. 
and then you forget about her and start following the rest. So it worked a lot for me because it was about what's on her mind. And this is the most difficult thing to do in cinema. Because to get inside somebody's head about what he feels and what he thinks about, you would also need uh, like an external incident. So you can only create situations that you can shoot. But still, I wanted to be close to what she felt. And what was so great was they have the phone ring in mm-hmm. the middle of the dinner. I love that. Mm-hmm. And you can tell like that's when she comes to life because she's like, oh, that could be Gabita. Yeah. Could be Gabita. Yeah, yeah like... it was it was super tense. And I loved that scene because of how much I hated it. Yeah. To me, that scene does three things that are really important. One, it does highlight the, the silent struggles that women have to go through that they can't openly talk about for whatever reason, right? Otilia and, and Gabita are going through, or like Gabita's going through this abortion and Otilia is worried about her friend because of all the things that could go wrong because abortions are illegal. So she has all these struggles, all, like all this anxiety, this tension built up in the back of her head, but she can't show it because she's there for her boyfriend's mom. She's there for her boyfriend. So she just has to keep it in the back of her head. Number two, that scene also highlights, even when you are open about it, you're still going to get pushback. Even if you've done nothing wrong. Like, she opens up to her boyfriend. And this dude is playing massive defense. Mm-hmm. This dude is getting massively defensive. And she's asking a serious question. What would happen if this happened to us? If I got pregnant? And she is getting no love or no support. This dude is fucking irritating. <laughs> So even when you are open about the things that that are happening to you, chances are don't expect any real backup. And the third thing that's demonstrated in that dinner scene is it's a bit more broad, but I think it just goes to how the how this world operates. And it fucking annoys me because you have a bunch of old people telling younger <laughs> generations how to live their goddamn lives. And and it, yeah. and it's like, look, I understand that yes, there you guys have wisdom. We don't want to ignore that. But going up to her and criticizing, like, her rural or origins, like, where her family's from, coming off as, like, a snooty intellectual, criticizing her on just wanting a cigarette when there are other people in the room smoking it because of, because it's traditional. Or, or, or he, he does the thing that I fucking hate, that I cannot stand whenever I see it and it sends me through the goddamn roof is when they're like, well, I had to go through this. So now you have to go through this. I had it rough. So now you have to have it rough. And it's like, in what world does that make sense? You had it rough and that sucks. I'm sorry, but I don't have to go through the exact same things that you did just to, just to earn your respect or to, or to be considered that I, that I'm fit for, or, you know, like, um, uh, what's it called? There's that, um, like, that term of like grabbing yourself by your bootstraps. Oh, yeah. I grabbed myself for my bootstraps. I built it myself, you know? It's like horseshit. And number two, <laughs> the struggles of older generations does not always have to go on to newer to, to the newer generations. We don't have to yeah. follow the rules that you did. We don't have to be dictated by what you thought, what you think is right or wrong. Because chances are it's probably wrong. Because guess what? The world was really fucked up when we first started. And it's gotten progressively <laughs> better. Hopefully. But sometimes, well. yeah, but it just frustrated me that whole conversation. And notice how it's all the old people talking. Mm-hmm. They're all just saying all these things. I had to work really hard. I had it bad. I had I served in the army. I did this. I did this. And then the two youngest people in the scene, 
have nothing to say, mm-hmm. nothing to contribute. Nobody even asks them for their opinion. All Atilia says is, I'll, I'll take mm-hmm. a cigarette and yeah, I'm in tech and... Um, and does don't they say something like like when I was younger, all the women studied medicine? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. As if okay, so that's how it was <laughs> fifty years ago. We should keep doing it. Yeah. And that logic just does not fucking work. And the fact that they don't understand it bothered me so much. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this scene is perfect. That scene was, like, like, akin to every Christmas dinner I've ever had. Also, my cat has <laughs> decided to start meowing, so sorry about that. Oh, no, don't worry. <laughs> That's all good. My cats do that all the time. Well, <laughs> Sirius does that all the time, yeah. but he's being a good boy right now. That's good. <laughs> don't worry about Dimitri. He's cool. He's a big talker. Uh, but yeah, A that, lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of useless-ass opinions that <laughs> I just... And again, I'm not saying that older people can't talk about the wisdom that they've gathered. That's, But that's not what's happening here. No, what's he's hap- just trying to talk over her. Yeah. yeah. He's not and asking educate about her. her. And he's an... I loved it. He's, they're intellectuals talking shit about her in a in a pseudo-polite way, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But it, it, it's just so frustrating. And on top, on, top, on top of just that being a shitty conversation... If you're a young person in that conversation, it's already unpleasant. On top of everything that literally just happened, one of your friends just had an abortion and you straight up got raped and now you got to deal with this bullshit? Fuck you. Yeah, it was really juxtaposed. And something else that I was... There were two shots that I really noticed in this movie. The first one was that one, the long take at the dinner table. And the second one was the last shot when she comes back to the hotel and she's been locked out of the room because she threw her whole bag away which presumably had the hotel key in it along with the fetus and the light is flickering in the hallway and we're like a significant distance away from Otilia like you can see her whole body in this whole lobby and this like light is flickering in this hallway behind her and it's like in such contrast to that scene where she's like alone and she's been locked out of the room and she doesn't know where to go and she's just just done all this like very dangerous stuff for her friend and now she can't get inside and like those were the two moments of the film where I was like this is really well made and this is really like beautiful but also I hate it (laughs) like not that I hate (laughs) it but like I'm not having a good time right now that's yeah. well that's the thing about this movie it's very well constructed we appreciate a lot of the aspects that went into it but it is a difficult watch mm-hmm. for so many reasons this is not a cuddly film no this movie does hit you in the face and with multiple truths and just you're right that flickering light just adds a little bit of that uncomfortableness that seems is all throughout the film you know i it, it's like to their dorm rooms. It just feels like those dorm rooms are like really tight, really small. Yeah. You know, the way the camera will just stay on certain things, uh, how how the camera will shake in certain ones. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, there's just something. Well, it shakes that, when, when things are happening, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's pretty still most of the time, but it will shake a bit more uh, when something is like really intense, like when she's trying to get, trying to get rid of the fetus. Yeah. Um, but there's, you're right, it's like those little details. Yeah, and you don't see a lot of shots of Otilia full body with other people. So, uh, she's mostly alone when you see her full body. So mm-hmm. that was like, uh, that shot really stuck with me. Um, 
it does feel like the camera will like sometimes just isolate Atelia mm-hmm. by herself, um, mm-hmm. and and really like concentrate on that like isolation that she must be feeling. Yeah, you know, and that happens with her and 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 Gavita. Mm-hmm. You know, like right after Mister Bebe leaves, there's that single shot of Otilia, and it's just of her, mm-hmm. right? And she's having this conversation with Gavita about why'd you lie about me being your sister, why'd you lie about the t- how how far along you were. You know, it really isolates in on her. And what is beautiful about that is that it, it culminates to the final shot of the film, which is Gabita and Otilia at the restaurant on the table, mm-hmm. right? And it just, it feels like, okay, we're... It just, it just having, constantly isolating her and ha- and ending the film on that two shot just kind of feels a bit like, <sighs> like a, like a fresh, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, the other thing I I was thinking about is because the film kind of centers on Otilia, we don't get a lot of Gabita's story. And I think it I think it's easy to get frustrated with Gabita in the context of like, what she's asking Otilia to do. But then you remember that Mm -hmm. like, Gabita is risking not only like, a baby that she can't care for, but, like, a potentially fatal abortion procedure. So she yeah. has, like, mm-hmm. every reason to be stressed out and not think clearly. Oh, yeah. It seems like she's the kind of person that is not typically careless. Yeah. You know, I don't know why I think that. I just, from the way that she acts in the beginning of the film, worried about everything, it feels like she's someone who's who tries to be on top of it as much as she can. Mm-hmm. And I think when she talks to, to Bebe... Maybe she kind of plays up the "oh, I didn't know" to her advantage, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or so maybe, I don't. Or maybe I've it's heard... just her just being. She seems like she is on top of the things that she needs to in life, but because this is a very big event, I think it makes her nervous. Which is also it, yeah. like, which is also illegal and has a lot of barriers. Like, if I needed to like smuggle heroin or something, like I would have no idea how to do that, right? So they're yeah. like going in totally uncharted waters based on like hearsay from friends. So mm-hmm. it's like it's not like she's experienced in getting an abortion before. And at at the time of the what the movie is at, like this is a criminal procedure. So she's mm-hmm. she's essentially like dealing in the black market, which she as a twenty two year old university student, um, I can probably say has never done before. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've heard people say that she's she's dumb and she's irresponsible and it's like i think i think you're watching this movie wrong yeah you know like i'll admit i even i got frustrated a few times with gabita but you kind of because otilia is frustrated with her Mm -hmm. so you're you're seeing it through her but eventually she does just like well we're here now and i i'm gonna do whatever i can to help you it's almost like you need to refresh yourself and just be like okay did she make a few mistakes yeah but this is a very dangerous thing that they are doing. Not just the abortion, but the fact that if they get caught, they could be persecuted, mm-hmm. and it could be a it could get a lot worse. And yeah, I there were moments where I had to like, well, how would I act if I was in Gabita's position? Yeah. And I'd be like, you know what? I I think I would be stressed out a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know I just like I, you can you can only even imagine it so far. But when you pull yourself back, it's like no, this is. If you think of it from a literal perspective, it's like, no, this is super dangerous. This is, I don't think most people would react, you know, as uh, as intelligently as they think they would. Yeah, people are very confident in their ability to, in their ability to act under pressure. 
Oh yeah, oh, way too confident. Way too, way too confident. People do this in people do this in horror movies all the time. <laughs> well, that character, what they did was stupid, and it's like shouldn't oh, have went you, in the basement. Yeah. Oh, Why? you think you would do better? <laughs> okay, but I will say, I will say about this. One time I went on a writing retreat to Maine and we were staying in this old house and we went to get groceries. And when we came back, there was a car outside of the house that hadn't been there before and the lights were on and we were like, what the fuck is that? And everybody else went into the house to check and me and a different friend were like, I'm getting in the car. I'm out of (laughs) here. Fuck all of this. So I would survive a horror movie. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It's, it's horror movies don't operate on any like real life logic well the buzzfeed you know? quiz i took that said i was the final girl actually disagrees with you there austin so okay all right <laughs> i'm sorry to to argue with the authority on matters that is buzzfeed no i'm clearly i'm wrong it took that quiz too and it revealed i was the killer which makes a lot of sense oh, i could see that <laughs> i could see that <laughs> No, but it it does. I there was some frustration I had with Gabby Tub, but then you, it you just gotta ground yourself for a second and be like, okay, let's think about this realistically. How how would most people handle this? Not well. honestly, not well. So I I can't blame her. Um, I was a little frustrated at the end when she's like, "Did you bury the fetus?" And I was like, "Well, girl." So I actually <laughs> after the trip she just had. <laughs> I actually noticed on this, so Gabita, when she asks Otilia to bury the fetus, you can see she's wearing a cross n- necklace on her, because um, I believe Romania is traditionally a Catholic country, so you can, um, it's, there's just a very small visual cue there that Gabita is Catholic, and so she wouldn't want, uh, she would want the fetus to be buried because the catholic doctrine basically is like if you're cremated like your body it, you need to bury a body so that when jesus comes back like your body will come up that's why catholics don't cremate oh mm. shit I didn't also know that. living in romania during this time you're probably fed a bunch of uh education about why it's important to have babies mm-hmm. and you, to give a baby is to do your country a service mm-hmm. you know so she has all of this stuff taught to her, and yet she decides to have an abortion anyway. So I don't, I don't think it was an easy decision in the first place. Oh hell no! I don't think an abortion's ever an easy decision, really. But I think like compounded with the circumstances of like communist Romania in the late eighties, like yeah, that there was a lot going on. Yeah, like it does seem ridiculous for her to ask. Like, can you bury this? Like. Oh, I, I get it. I know why you're asking. And- yeah, it, I get it, too. There was just kind of frustrating where it's like, that scene was so intense. Yeah. With Otelia trying to figure out what to do. And it's like, if she gets caught with this, she's in a big, she's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it you was- can tell how much she's grown as, as a person, too. Because before, she'd kind of, like, berate her for making silly mistakes or asking silly questions like that. But now it's just, let's just eat. Let's, let's just never talk about this again. Mm-hmm. Man, what a day that they had! For like they yeah. they start off pretty much you know in the morning, and it just goes through this whole thing, and it's you know Otilia is just like, well, Gabby, Gabita, actually went through the abortion on on top of getting raped. Otilia, the rape, you know, having this huge argument, being berated by her boyfriend's parents and her friends, by her boyfriend, the stress of oh my god, how's my friend doing, and then trying to get rid of the fetus it's just like 
that's too much stress. Yeah. People should not go through that amount of uh, amount of stress. Yeah. Ever and it's um, yeah, and it's it's all because. Oh, should we get into the history of this now? Is there anything you wanted to say? Well, I I did want to say I did. You know, I was watching this movie and just talking about it a bit more. I was, I, I thought of this. Uh, this is just very straightforward. And this is like a no shit, George. But this whole time, I was like, "Fuck!" This would have been a lot easier if abortions were legal. <laughs> yeah, like that like, is that's, that's what I was gonna try to segue to. Yeah, like, it's the most basic greeting, but <laughs> I've I've seen people say that like, well, it doesn't really take a side, but I'm like, I feel like there is a side being taken. I like the entire plot of the movie wouldn't happen if abortions were safe and legal. Like, there would be no movie. True. BB kept saying, like, okay, so if you don't, if you move around, something bad's going to happen. If you get a fever, this might happen. If this happens, this happens, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great if there was, like, a nurse or, like, a medical professional just kind of there and being like, hey, let me walk you through it. Oh, also the fact that if he didn't rape people, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like. Yeah, doctor couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, this is. You're also not given any information on, like, who Bebe is or how he knows how to perform an abortion. Like, he doesn't tell you, like, I'm a doctor or anything. Like, right. he puts gloves on. So you assume that he's got, like, some knowledge of something. But it's kind of implied that, like, this is, like, his main gig. So. Yeah, he's got a switchblade, not for any proportion, maybe any part of the abortion procedure, but maybe to protect himself. Yeah. Or to intimidate people. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Little little things like that just um just kind of goes to the fact where it's like, man, this would be a lot easier if this shit wasn't illegal, man. If True. this if abortions weren't illegal, yeah, this movie wouldn't have happened. Um and I kept thinking that and yes, that's the most obvious reading of it, but I'm like, wow, this is <sighs> But, like, access really is, like, the... I actually looked up the uh, mortality rate for, um, like, abortion-induced deaths during, like, communist Romania. It was something like 54% of abortions or of deaths from, like, Jesus. abortions. Were, yeah, it was... I'm not sure if that's the actual number, but it was a really big number. Um, it's hard to, to say because you don't know... If somebody died from a failed abortion or not, if it was never reported. True. Right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, imagine if 54% is the reported number, what's the real number? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, access really is not... It, like, it doesn't stop abortions. It only stops safe abortions. It's, it's a tough viewing. Mm -hmm. It is a very tough viewing. I, I think it's an important one, though. Yeah. You know? Well, it, it is important. Um but there is that re there is that reality that it's like I think if you're open open to watching something like this and good, but just know that it is tough and um, and again I always invite people to watch the movies to watch different types of movies no matter how uncomfortable. But there is, I imagine that this would definitely hit a lot. Yeah, you're gonna need a palate cleanser immediately after. Um, I yes, would suggest yes. oh, yeah. Barbie Princess and the Popper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I I watched um, Knocked Up. Oh, nice. Kind of because that that movie and this movie came out in the same year. Actually, just a quick just a quick sidetrack. There were four movies that came out pretty near each other that dealt with abortion to to oh. a certain degree, right? So we have four months, three weeks, and two days. We have Knocked Up, 
which just really has one scene. Uh, then there's Waitress with Carrie Russell. Oh, yeah. Where she has an unwanted pregnancy as well. And the year after, there was a movie called Revolutionary Road with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. I saw and that And there's one. a scene where... That whole movie is basically just them arguing, but at the very end, spoilers, Kate Winslet dies because she has an she conducts an abortion on herself oh god and and you you see a little bit of it and it's 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 a tough it's a tough subject matter this is definitely this is definitely the one that deals with it i think most bluntly yeah there's also juno too i don't think you mentioned oh yeah that's right i forgot juno yeah 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 juno so there's five movies juno as well wait four movies no no five five so it's four months three weeks two days knocked up waitress revolutionary road in 2008 and you know but they all all five of these movies came out in within two years and i mean these are just off the top of my head i'm not there might be others there's actually (laughs) there's a christian propaganda film called how to save a life which i want to say came out in 2008 but maybe 2009 (laughs) have you seen it austin (laughs) no i'm just like is that because of the the freaking Frey song? Oh, I, uh, they use that in the trailer? If I'm recalling correctly, it is in the movie. But this this movie truly <sighs> tackles, like, every subject that it could think of. Like, there's a school shooter. There's mental illness. There's... Oh, my uh, God. But, like, the big plot line is, like, this guy gets his high school girlfriend pregnant. And she, like, converts to Christianity and decides to save the baby. So you can add that one to your list, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was tough. It, Knocked Up is a is a funny movie, but um, I think it, as a palate cleanser, it needs to you need to watch something different because just watching Knocked Up after this one, it was like wow, you can't you can't help but compare and contrast the ways that they they tackle pregnancy and abortion and stuff. Yeah, I could suggest my favorite palate cleanser, Paddington Two. Nice. I've never seen Paddington, but I'm a big fan. Oh, Paddington. <laughs> Paddington is great, but it's like a little, I don't know, it's a little like soppy. And Paddington 2 is just Hugh Grant having the time of his life finally getting to play a villain. I'm a, a big fan of the Twitter account. I Photoshop Paddington into every movie until I forget. <laughs> oh, something. you showed me that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That's a great one. Yeah. Did you read the reviews uh, of four months, three weeks, two days that compared this movie to those so knocked up and Juno? A little bit. I actually, what I was more curious about as to why there was a collection of movies that dealt with, not a collection, but there were more movies that dealt with abortion in that time period. And I didn't actually find a specific reason, but I think I kind of found something that can maybe explain it. Hmm. But we'll, we'll get to the reviews first, though. What did you see in the reviews? Uh, there was one from, I, I think, Time Magazine. It's like, I think a married couple wrote the review together. Mm. In American romantic comedies like Knocked Up, Waitress, and Juno, a woman's unwanted pregnancy is the springboard for sexual love, self-knowledge, and, as she comes to term, the rosy maturity that Hollywood sees as motherhood. Whereas this one, they actually go through with the abortion, and it's it's more realistic. The director is accurately trying to depict what life was like back in those times because he lived there he was Mm -hmm. a part of the generation that was born out of decree 770 which is the the rule that made abortion illegal 
in Romania. Mm-hmm. I mean, the portrayals. You you put the you put all three films side to side, and it's like, yo, yeah, these two are definitely American, and not even through the language, yeah. not, not even with the don't consider the language, because you know, because you know, those those movies talk about abortion, not like abortion is not the main storyline. It's just. Right? in it or mentioned yeah and you know a little bit more but really what those movies are they're kind of like the rite of passage to adulthood yeah right because you know seth rogan he's a stoner doesn't do doesn't have a job doesn't do anything and as the film progresses he learns how to be responsible and and kind of take charge of his life juno who kind of is enjoying youth but thinks that you know she's kind of got the world to figure out and stuff by the end of the film it turns out she there's a lot she still has left to learn. So she does go through a passage of of adulthood. She's more of an adult by the end of the film. Uh, both of them. This is not about becoming an adult. Mm. Uh, four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah. I would agree with that assessment. So it's hard to say as to why this was happening. Because I feel like it's happening again. Well, I... This is completely anecdotal, but around this time, 2007, 2008, this would have been right when I started going to church because that's when my parents separated. And I remember that there was a huge push at this time from the right wing to defund Planned Parenthood in the U.S., Like, that was a very common political topic that was brought up at church. This is based on my memory, so I don't know if there was, like, a bill or something that people were, like, voting on. But I remember it being something that we talked uh, about all the time. Um, election, maybe? Oh, true. 2008 election. Well, because Bush was... Bush was president for eight years. Um, and I think there was an increasing pro-life movement that was being very, that the right was very vocal about. In the 2004 election, or leading up to the 2004 election, George Bush and John Kerry had a debate, their third one, on domestic policies. This was in October 13th of 2004 in Arizona. And I'm going to quote George Bush. It's a long one, so. A society where every being counts and every person matters. I believe uh, the ideal world is one in which every child is protected in law and welcome to life. I understand there's great differences on this issue of abortion, um, but I believe reasonable people can come together and put good law in place that will help reduce the number of abortions. Take, for example, the ban on partial birth abortion. It's a brutal practice. People from, uh, from both political parties came together in the halls of Congress and voted overwhelmingly to ban that practice. It made a lot of sense. My opponent, out, in that he's out of the mainstream, voted uh, against that law. What I'm saying is, is that as we promote life and promote a culture of life, surely there are ways we can work together to reduce the number of abortions, continue to promote adoption laws. That's a great alternative to abortion. Continue to fund and promote maternity group homes. I will continue to promote abstinence programs. The last debate, my opponent said his wife was involved with those programs. That's great, and I appreciate that very much. All of us ought to be involved with programs that provide a viable alternative to abortion. Now, I'm not saying that this is the speech that started it all, but it was this mentality banning partial birth abortions. Like, it was, 
this was the mentality that was at the time and you know abstinence was a big thing i remember being taught abstinence Mm -hmm. this was this movement at the time and this is in 2004 this isn't far off from 2007 and 8 it took a few years for people to kind of develop the movies around this stuff but it it makes sense what you were saying earlier victoria yeah there was a right-wing push to make abortions more difficult, if not outright illegal. And I think people responded to that. And and look what's happened recently. There have been a lot more movies that have dealt with this in the past few years, especially since Trump took office in Mm -hmm. 2016. Well, I think what's happening, we talk about this a little bit in the episode that we did on compulsory motherhood on impure rethought. The natalism is a trend that basically means like, people should have children very very basically that it's like your duty to your country to have children and it happens in two circumstances either when the economy is really good or when the economy is bad and birth rates are declining and people want to the country to seem like the economy is good um so in 2004 around the time of the iraq war that makes sense to me that like There was some population loss happening. It makes sense that natalism would come back as a push. It makes sense that it would come back um, when Trump was president, which was kind of like the strongest our economy's been in a couple of years, um, coupled with the like rise of right wing extremism and um, the like resurgence of evangelicalism in the early 2000s, where evangelicalism is like had a natalist revival in the 80s under Reagan. uh, No surprise to anybody there. And then it's just stayed. But I think it's like bleeding into the broader cultural influence. And so now we're seeing like reactions to that. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is like typically followed by backlash against women's rights. Like it happened under Reagan that there was backlash against women's rights. Um, It happened under Bush and now it's happening again under Trump's Supreme Court. So it's not totally unprecedented. And I hope that we'll find a way to move forward from it. Um, But that's like some historical context for it. And we have Teddy Roosevelt to thank for that so that's my shameless <laughs> plug if you want to learn more about it listen to our compulsory motherhood episode man i i had no idea teddy roosevelt was was that fucked up same until i listened to that episode i was shocked. i knew he was a racist but i didn't know he was also a violent misogynist a lot of other bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> throughout these years i mean we just named five films around these two year this two year area where it was just like Abortion was mentioned, it was talked about, it was discussed, and it makes a reasonable amount of time. But honestly, outside of that, I can't name too many other films outside of that little area. Have you seen... Um, it could just be my my finite film Have you seen uh, or heard of... Library. Unpregnant, which just... I want to say it came out 2019, but it might have been... It might have just been last year. It's with uh, Barbie Ferreira. And it has Haley Haley Richardson or something. Yeah, um, some, somebody in it. That's like, that immediately came to mind when you were talking. So I wonder if we're going to start seeing more films about abortion since we're in like, we're repeating the cycle. But you, you mentioned something about uh, why countries turn natalist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either because the economy is booming or the economy's doing real bad. And in 1966, uh, Ceausescu's Romanian regime, the economy was was not doing very well. Birth rates were super, super low. And in order to boost the economy, and he wanted to have 30 million Romanians. That, that was his goal, to have 30 million Romanians. So to do that, 
he enacted Decree 770, which made abortions illegal, contraceptives illegal, and parentless, or not parentless, childless people were fined 30% income tax. Wow. If they didn't have kids. Wow. So what happened like immediately afterwards is the birth rate doubled within two years. Mm. And then once people found a way to circumvent the the pregnancies, it, it started to go down a little bit. But it was still super high, super high. You would think that they would have institutions in place to account for all these new kids, right? No. <laughs> no, they didn't. They had to like make up these orphanages to put kids in and the conditions the conditions that these kids lived in so so terrible there's this article i read that described them as like they're breeding animals <laughs> except animals at least have food oh god well, that's terrible. terrible like this that's why i said like i don't think you're here for this part but in the first part of this episode i said that this this decision from the Supreme Court affects everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. And this is how, because when once these kids are born, are they going to be taken care of? No. Historically, no, they're not taken care of. There's too many of them. And I don't think any of these those movies that were mentioned before, Waitress, Juno, or Knocked Up, it doesn't really deal with the the actual life of the kid yeah. that's born. Or the mom. Like- it just... It, Ends there, right? Yeah, you you know you never know. You could have a Babadook situation on your hands. <laughs> what I hate is that we are making this rule. It's going to affect everyone, and we are not going to plan to what to do afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's like we're going to have thirty Romanian, thirty million Romanians. All right, well, how are you going to teach them? Yeah, forty Fuck kids. Em. 40 kids per classroom. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's insane. One of the one of the reasons that Romania's economy was like in the tank at this time was because so most most of Eastern Europe in um during World War II was allied with the Axis powers. Um I'm not sure like exactly which countries they were, but the Soviet Union lost over 20 million people. It, like to this day World War II is still a huge deal. And in World War II, they either occupied or like influenced a lot of the Eastern Europe European countries that had been allied with the Axis powers as like punishment and then made them repay the like debts to the soviet union from war so that's that's one of the reasons that romania's economy was like basically decimated they were under soviet control economically um and also like basically paying reparations to the soviet union Jeez. oh fuck <laughs> so they were really in trouble yeah and um i know like in Eastern Europe today, there's still a lot of ethno-nationalist movements. There's, like, concerns that, like, the Eastern European bloodlines will die out or whatever. So I'm sure that was also some somewhat of an influence on Cho- Ceausescu's reign. Um, Ceausescu. Ceausescu. Um, I've, I've heard it pronounced so many times from Wikipedia, but I still can't <laughs> get it right. I think I think you're right, Ceausescu. Um so I know, like, that's something, because, like, Eastern Europe was, like, pretty decimated in the latter half of the 20th century, and, like, birth rates were low everywhere, not not necessarily just in Romania, so, uh, until, like, abortion bans were passed. 
Um, and like they'd all lost a bunch of people in World War Two. So I think like that was probably mm-hmm. also an influence wanting to make up like uh, and because they were behind the Iron Curtain, like not very many people were coming in, not ve- not very many people were going out. So you want to have like a strong base of your ethnicity, basically. I read somewhere that like one in three children were in these orphanage. Oh. Pro- I, I'm not sure if that's true. One in three of every kid that was born is an orphan. Wow. Not because their parents were dead, but because their parents couldn't take care of them financially. But you said that the birth rate doubled, right? Yeah. So that there's a chart here that shows uh, 60, 65, the average kid. It's like one, it's like two two kids per, per mom and went to four almost. Oh, wow. That's crazy crazy yeah, it's, it's like there's there was no plan for this like they they'll they make these decisions and there's no plan to to take care of all the kids that are born mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that lack of planning is still present today because there are a lot of people that don't know how to enforce these new rules yeah and i think you really see that reflected in the american foster system like i think there's there is a crazy statistic about like kids who come out of the foster system are something like seven times more likely to commit a felony or something like i don't that's wow. i made that up but like the foster system uh is really not good and like that's that's often the solution that you hear from people uh it's like just if you don't want the baby just have it and put it up for adoption as if number one giving birth is not oh like the most dangerous thing that you can do if you have a uterus um and number Mm -hmm. two as if that's not going to be incredibly traumatic for the child and our foster care system is like underfunded and under-resourced and like not good and so many so many kids come out of the foster care system with like serious psychological problems and like serious trauma um it's pretty common for girls in foster care to be sexually abused like yeah Mm -hmm. there's just no regard for what happens after the baby is born right even in the research i did on romania and their their orphans there's a a large number of them were sexually abused Mm. and were more likely to commit crimes afterwards yeah well i think it goes back to what you were saying austin in the very beginning like when mr bebe was like i have power over you like that's what is that's what sort of predicates people to be like victims of sexual abuse is to be in a position where they um don't have any power and if you're an orphaned child with no food and no resources of course like yeah there's no options for you the the same way that there were no options for the woman who was forced to give birth to you Mm -hmm. part of the perception right that oh just put it up for abortion Adoption? Um, or, <laughs> so, so, yeah, sorry. Adoption. But I think this uh, perception of, like, putting putting a baby, a child up for adoption is, like, well, you know, things will work out. Like, it's not your problem anymore, you know? Or part of it's also, like, in movies, mm-hmm. you know? Because you'll have something like Juno. Very quirky, coming-of-age comedy. But as far as I can know, like, I, I can't think of any films that feature abortion in, like, a... A, a semi-positive or positive light. Like, the only one that comes to mind was there was an episode of Glow mm. on Netflix, which I recommend. Glow is fantastic. It's about the women's uh, wrestling league. 
uh, in like the seventies or eighties. Uh, Glorious Ladies of Wrestling. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that show. It's a great show. Um, there's an episode where I think Alison Brie, I believe that's her name. Yeah. Where Alison Brie gets pregnant, and she asks Mark Maron to go to her to the hot to to. Uh, where they where, where she could get an abortion and it's played pretty like it's not played for jokes it's not played for comedy like it is kind of a, a bit somber mm-hmm. but it's not played in the negative light yeah it's not played like oh my god this is the most depressing day of my life it's played like a scene that yes carries the same carries the emotional toll that going through something like this would carry, but it does it's not negative. Yeah, there's also one of my favorite shows ever is an Australian show called Please Like Me, which is on Hulu. Um, highly recommend that show. It's super funny and great. There's a the specific episode in season three, I wanna say it's called Pancakes with Faces. Um, one of the characters gets an abortion and you see her like go through and, and make the choice. And it's not played as a joke, but it is a comedy, so it's, like, a funny episode. And you see her thinking about, like, can I raise a child? Like, do I have a partner? Am I in, am I in a place where, like, I feel okay to raise a child? Because she um, has to come back from – she's living in Germany, and she has to come back to Australia to get the abortion. And um, you kind of, like, see her friends, like, caring for her throughout the abortion and her dealing with, like, the emotional fallout of it. And it's a – it's a great episode and it's super well done. And that's something else I would also recommend um, on the topic of like positive representation of abortion in media. They could also be a great relief to a lot of women out there going through various situations. Yeah. I don't think it has to be, I don't think it has to be black and white the- where we either get the knocked up version where if you work hard, persevere or read a few pregnancy books, you'll get through it. And then you've got four weeks or four months, three weeks and two days where it is a brutal take on it in a very, very specific time that was not kind to women. Yeah. And I think also, like, illegal abortions are dangerous. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, it, well that, And that goes back to what we were saying. Like, that whole, you know, man, wouldn't this be easier if it was legal? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. To get, to get, like, really personal here for a minute, I haven't, I personally haven't had an abortion, but I have had, like, a pregnancy scare that was, like, when I was, like, living alone in a foreign country and, like, oh, wasn't man. the, wasn't the result of, like, the best set of circumstances and, like, and I had to, like, really sit down and think about it and be, like, what happens, like, if I am pregnant, what do I want to do? And, like, there's a lot to consider. And I think, like, oh, my, I saw an unhinged tweet today that was, like, some women get pregnant for four months so their boobs look bigger for their engagement photo shoots. And then they just go abort the baby at four months. And I was, like, Whoa. I was, like, what? um... <laughs> what yeah so like that truly like the level of mental gymnastics that it takes to get there i'd love to know um and but like like nobody nobody goes out and is like "Mm, i think i'm gonna get an abortion today like it's not like a fun thing it's a very serious Mm -hmm. decision and abortions are often physically painful um because you have to pass the fetus which comes out through your vaginal canal and depending on the size of the fetus, that could be like a heavy period or it could be like like painful, like giving birth. 
Um, so like you have to think about like, are you physically ready for that? Are you financially prepared to care for a child? Do you have a support system in your life? Like I remember when I, I was not pregnant in this instance, thankfully, but I remember like being like, all right, like where would I live? Where would I send my kid to school if I, cause I was definitely raised like pretty anti-abortion. Um, and those, that's not the view that I hold personally anymore, but like it all definitely came to light in that moment. Um, and like, there's just a lot that goes into it. So by the time you arrive at the decision to have an abortion, it's probably something that you've really thought about. Because let me tell you, if you even think you're pregnant, you're thinking about it all the time. It's not like, I forgot I have a baby in here. It's like, oh, there's like something growing inside my body. You know, and that's something that really frustrated me um, about Adi, mm-hmm. Otilia's girlfriend, or boyfriend. It's this whole, she asked him, what would we do if I got pregnant? Which is a super valid question to have in a relationship. Yeah. In fact, I don't think enough people have that don't have that conversation. Yeah. But she asked him up front, what would happen? What would you do? And he's like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. What the fuck do you mean you'll <laughs> yeah, take care of it? He also doesn't even want to entertain the hypothetical. Which is like a totally valid hypothetical because she, she mm-hmm. says that like he came inside her like on Thursday. So it's like totally yeah. possible that she could get pregnant. He's like, I don't even want to talk about this unless you actually are. This is dumb. Why are we talking about this? Yeah, and then I'll the I'll take care of it. That's where I was like, oh fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of this. What the fuck are you gonna do? And then she has that brilliant line, I'm not gonna spend the rest of my life cooking potatoes for you. But you know that's what he wants. Yeah. This dude is very like traditional. Your ass stays in the kitchen at home. I'm the one working. Yeah. And that's not what Otilia wants at all. She's studying tech. And you know what? It's awful that it took everything that, that she previously went to to get to that conversation. But I'm glad that she confronted him with that question. Yeah. Right? Even when he's being a little ninny. And he's like, why are you <laughs> so was... upset? You came in here all serious and stuff. Oh, my God. I fucking lost it when he was like, where are the flowers? You you forgot the flowers. Yeah. You, you, he said, you, you came late, uh, and you, you forgot the flowers. And I was like, bro, I swear to God. I think that's something that like more people should address in their relationship. Like if you're having sex of any kind with somebody, uh, you should address what would happen if I got pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yes. And, and you know what? If, if that conversation adds a lot of tension or there's like a huge argument that's a sign mm-hmm. like that's a clear sign don't ignore that don't move past yeah. it just because oh well this might mean the end of relationship maybe that's what's best mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm so, i'm sorry like it, but I, i'm sorry but this is i've seen way too many kids uh, too many kids have have pregnancies at a really young age and some of them are cool with it some of them want it some of them are okay with it they have the support system that hey okay cool whatever live your life like that's on you but when it when it comes unplanned man the stress that some of these people were going through at such a young age Mm -hmm. and i know older people are gonna say well they shouldn't have been fooling around they should what what did bb say uh it's not me that had all the fun yeah 
something like that this is the this is the argument that like probably makes me the most frustrated in the entire world because like teenagers are never gonna stop having sex people are never gonna stop having sex and would you like to know how i know that it's four thousand years of recorded history so like just Mm -hmm. give up (laughs) on it now and the thing is, this education just doesn't... It, we're not taught that. Mm-hmm. We're taught abstinence or don't do it or it's going to ruin your life. And there's no, like, actual, like, real sit-down yeah. where it's like, hey, let me talk to you about all the things that could happen and kind of how to address it and the conversations that you should have with people. Yeah. And the more the more you tell somebody not to do it, the more they're going to think about it and the more they're going to want to do it. Let, evangelical christian teenagers are some of the people i know that fuck the most so (laughs) (laughs) you know hey if abstinence works for you if that's what you believe great man but um it's not how the world works i'm sorry and i know i know we're not talking so much about the movie now but i mean it goes back to this topic right and i mean you know this movie does cover like a 24-hour period but there's a lot that's happening there Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that the film kind of, it doesn't address, like, it doesn't inherently talk about, well, people need to talk about safe sex at school, and these aren't things, but these are kind of, it's all part of the same umbrella, it's under the same umbrella, and it's things that we've seen happen, we don't talk about this, people get upset, they pass laws that make it a lot harder to get abortions, and then this happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And situ and the the stats are there. You don't stop abortion. You just make them. You just make them. Ill- you make them illegal. They happen. They you make them dangerous. And I understand it's really difficult to talk about, but it's something we got to talk about. Yeah, I, that's the the big problem in this movie is that there's it's illegal and there's no one they can go to to there's no one that they can trust. Yeah, the only people that they can trust is each other. Yeah, are each other. Only people they, they can trust are each other. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think I think that's like the, the positive message. I mean, I feel like in the end, like this movie is about abortion. Yeah, but it's also about like Gabita and Otilia's relationship and like how far they're willing to go for each other. Like not only as yeah. roommates and friends, but yeah. like as women both living under this oppressive system. Like I think Otilia probably expressly understands how Gabita is feeling. And like I'm sure that's a possibility that she's considered because um, she says she mentions when she's talking to Adi, she says, I told you to be careful not to come in me. And um, so like it's obviously something that she's thought about before is the possibility of getting pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And she, and yeah, she gets frustrated with all of Gabita's lies, but like, she also keeps going back to check on her and she keeps calling her and she's obviously worried about her and she cares about her so much. So it's like, it's not only about their friendship, but like their sort of like allyship in, under yeah. the communist regime. Yeah. And Allyship is such a great word. And Olita doesn't do it. Uh, um, Otilia doesn't like berate Gabita. Mm-hmm. Like she's frustrated. She's clearly frustrated at certain points, but there's a difference between her frustration and like BB talking down to them yeah. or how other yeah. people would have spoken down to Gabita. Why'd you do that? How'd you let that happen? Like, this is your fault. Blah, 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 blah. Like Otilia never says fault. Yeah. You know, she's frustrated. Why did you lie about me being your sister? Why'd you lie about how far along you were? You know, and and those are those are those are fine frustrations. But in the end of the day, she does not let it get between. It doesn't get in between her helping Gabita. 
Yeah. This this movie is very much about friendship, kind of like how, you know, Knocked Up and Juno are kind of a coming of age movies where it's like, yes, it's about pregnancies and stuff, but it's really about these main characters going through this through this stage of through the, to this next stage of life. This movie is about uh, allyship and kind of these friendships that you have. Yeah, which is also like pretty rare to see that in a movie about women as well. Like you don't get a lot of movies about like the relationship between two women. Um, Especially not directed by men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this movie definitely packed up passes me, the Bechdel test. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, let me ask. Let me actually ask you something, um, Victoria, because I am curious. Because we did, so now we, we we have mentioned that that this movie is directed by a man. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious as to how you feel about that. Is that a pro, a negative? Does it not matter? Or what are your thoughts in general about? I that? actually was thinking about this like immediately after I finished the movie, and I feel like. Where I kind of landed on it was, like, I feel like the fact that it was directed by a man informed a lot of the actual, like, shot choices and a lot of the mise-en-scene. But I don't feel like it affected the, like, plot or the screenplay overall. Like, I think he was aiming for realism, and I think, uh, and he even says that in his interview, like, that was aiming to, like, be as real as it could possibly be and the movie's not about abortion or something, where I was like, hmm, okay, man thing to say. Um, but, <laughs> like, I don't, I, I actually don't think it really takes away from this. I think it would be a different movie if it was directed by a woman, um, but I don't necessarily think that it's worse for being directed by a man. Um, and I think that the realism still, like, says what it wants to say. Um, and it kind of leaves you to make up your mind about what that is, which I appreciate in a movie. I, I like an ambiguous ending. Um, mm-hmm. it's tough. I appreciated the choice not to show the sexual assault, but as I've mentioned, as we've talked about, it did seem weird to me with the choice to show the fetus. And that was the one time in the movie where I was like, I don't think a woman would have done that. Or I think a woman would have done it differently. Um, the one time. Because I think I think it would be, di- or not even a woman, but just anybody who can get pregnant. I think it's different when that's a theoretical for you versus something that like could actually happen or you've potentially experienced yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I can imagine if you had had an abortion and went into this movie and, like, saw that, that that could be potentially very triggering and upsetting and shocking, uh, which I think is the intent, which I think is something that male directors are more inclined to intend or to include than females are. To, to shock yeah. audiences? With, like, the gory and the unexpected. I, I'm not saying that it's not something um, female directors ever do. There's, like, what's that movie about the girl who like fell in love with the car that horror movie that came oh titan yeah titan so like like and there's a lot of like female horror in particular that i think is like inclined toward the shocking i just think like you can notice it in a different way than it is for male directors i think male directors are a lot more inclined to include things for like shock value um and This is like a very broad generalization and it obviously doesn't apply in every case. It's just something that I've kind of noticed in my years watching movies Um, and (laughs) female directors tend like if something is there that is shocking and like gory, it 
it's a usually there for some kind of like plot or story purpose, or it's because it's something that we don't normally see on film. I've been thinking about this, like this, this actually has come up really recent for me, recently for me, because I was thinking about, um, I saw The Northman when it came out in theaters with my boyfriend and his brother, and we were talking about it afterwards. And I was just like, there was like a lot of rape in that movie. And like, neither of them had really noticed it. And I was just like, yeah, I was thinking about like, sexual violence as like, background dressing for movies. Like it happens a lot. And it's just not that big of a deal. Um, But like, it's something that is like very like really affects the lives of a lot of people and like and I was just thinking about like how common it is for specifically like male directors to include like rape scenes in their movies and how it's just like like it's almost something that is there to understand the oppression of women as like as like as if men need a cue to be like, hey, women are oppressed and in danger. Like, they need to see them being violated on screen somehow. But, like, by showing the thing itself, it's also by its very nature, like, approving in it of it in some way. Um, so this is just, like, something that I've been thinking about recently. Um, so, like, that was just, like... I don't know. It it felt like related to this somehow um, mm-hmm. in that like I think that male directors and female directors make different choices based on like their lived realities of like the actual physical and emotional dangers they experience, which I would argue is generally greater for women, um, especially like women of color. <laughs> but yeah, so like that's that's my general take on it. Like I don't I don't necessarily think that four months, three weeks and two days is like a worse movie for being made by a male director. I just think it's different. Okay. I, I was definitely curious about that. And I mean, yeah, you're you're saying all this and I'm thinking back to films that show a bit more, that are a bit more gratuitous with their sexual violence. And I'm just like, oh, no, that movie, that movie, that mm-hmm. movie, that movie. And yet, okay, name one film in which you've seen a female orgasm. <sighs> just Mulholland Drive, I think. That's, That's the one true. That comes to mind. The lesbian scene? Well, she's masturbating. Oh, uh, true. But she's thinking of a woman. Yeah. So. Then there's Blue Valentine. But even then, that scene had to get cut down because it was going to get an NC-17 rating. Mm. So, yeah. And there, like, there's a question. Why is a female orgasm NC-17 but rape is not? Yeah. Well, that, that, mm. was, that was something that the director of Blue Valentine was talking about. It's like, how the fuck are you going to have movies that show rape in all its horror? Yeah. Detailed in everything. And yet... You know, a scene where Ryan Gosling's going down on Michelle Williams and it's just like, oh, no, this is an NC-17. Yeah. You can't have that. And it's just like, what the fuck? For real. Uh, so I, I was curious about that, though, uh, in terms of kind of how you felt about that. Because, yeah, this is, a, you know, this is a movie about women directed by a man. And it's not that men are incapable of it. But when you're talking about something that is very, very personal to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. How do you step in? And he did say that the story was personal because he's born from that generation. He was in Romania. You know, he knew. There's he a name for people born in that from that generation. The Decretat or something. Mm. Decret- I, don't, I, am, I don't speak Romanian. Huh? Decretati? Decretati? I don't, the, Romanian is the closest surviving language to Latin. Oh, and that's what it would be in Latin. So that was my guess. Okay. <laughs> Decretati. Yeah, there's I a whole wrong. word for that. Uh it's there's a word for it that that should 
uh, established that this is very significant. Mm-hmm. Like this whole period of Romania is very significant because there's a whole word for them dedicated to it had a lot to that generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. And people who lived in it see this movie and they're like taken aback by it. There's um, a, a Romanian film YouTube and this guy was talking, I guess the, they asked him, what's one scene that sticks out to you? And he talks about the opening scene in, in um, hmm. for a month, three weeks, two days, because he was like, I was immediately taken back to to my days at university. I could I could smell the cramped corridors and everything. <laughs> and the the YouTuber that talked to her parents about this movie was like, Yeah, this feels like I'm back there. I don't like it. <laughs> um, well, actually, going off, bouncing off of that, there is in the Criterion Collection, there's like a, a short little doc about how this movie was kind of taken on tour through Romania, because apparently there aren't that many Romanian movie theaters. Mm. Um, it's like wow. something that's very absent. Movie theaters are absent. Like they were talking about, what was the last movie you saw? And someone was like, The Matrix in 97. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's just like, Jesus. Um, oh, and my what's God. Interesting, what's interesting is, so they, they got like a digital projector, took this movie, or not a digital projector but like a tiny film projector and they went to a bunch of cities played it at old movie theaters and like a bunch of people came out and they kind of spoke to a few of them and just to ask them how they felt and yeah i mean the uh the opinions are scattered as fuck (laughs) to say the least um some people thought it was horrendous others were saying eye-opening it's incredible and and ultimately and that's the goal man Mm -hmm. you know that's you know you know, Roger Ebert had that whole quote about movies being able to create empathy and put you in a spot of someone that you had never felt like before. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does that really well. And it clearly resonated yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah. It won a bunch of awards. It was people were protesting when it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. During this tour in Romania, there were actually, they counted the number of people who saw the film, who attended the screenings, and it was 17,584. Wow. Now, it's not millions. That's a lot of people for Romania. But those are 17,000 people, 17,500 people who would not have seen this film through the easiest access with how Romania has movie theaters, mm-hmm. you know, like how little movie theaters they have. And it shocked them. Some of them were, were liked the film. Others hated it. But it's kind of the point. Didn't like, they? Didn't they redo the whole way that the, uh, that the uh, Academy picks foreign language nominees because of yes. this movie yes they did a uh before there was like a general voting system with a bunch of people but after this movie they made a small committee of people it's almost like a it feels it reminds me of the way our congress is set up how you have like a senate and house of representatives mm-hmm. like um i have pulled up the article that was about this because i was i was confused so th- there is so there's, after the 2008 controversy, the committee changed the tiered voting system that yields the five nominees for a foreign language film. It empowered a small executive committee of about 20 members to add three movies to their choice to a pre-nomination shortlist of six films. So I guess their three films of the small committee go against like the, the larger mm. group of the foreign language committee. Interesting. Which is several hundred strong, it says. Hmm. Wow. Well And then from then you get five nominees. But that was in that was in two thousand eight because of, of this movie and uh Pers- Persepolis. 
Persepolis? The movie Persepolis? Yeah. Man, all these European language, <laughs> I'm just screwing everything up. Persepolis is a um, movie. But yeah, so those those two movies kind of influenced a change in for the next year that they did the Oscars. And now I think it's it's different again. Yeah. Like after 2020, they changed it again. Because of Parasite, right? Yeah. Uh, is, oh. I think so. Because Parasite was the first foreign language film to ever win Best Picture. Right. So they had to move it out of like foreign language nominees. I don't know. I, I'm not well versed enough in the Academy. But yeah, in, in any ways, what a legacy to leave behind. They yeah. changed the Oscars for this movie. <laughs> hey, man. Look, they needed to, man. Fucking Oscars. Yeah. I love I love watching them, but man, their rules are sometimes ass backwards. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I was going to mention about this movie was that the there's an interview with the main actress, Anna Maria Mar- Marinka. Mm. I don't know how to... I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name. But Anna Maria Marinka plays Otilia she has an interview and she talks about how this film was a collaborative um, experience like Christian would talk to them and they'd come up with new ideas for characters so that the film didn't she says that like the film didn't really belong to him it belonged to all of them mm. it was a collaborative effort and- of course a film can never belong to one person it doesn't belong to me it doesn't belong to him it doesn't belong to Oleg to Vlad or to uh, Laura, you know, it's all of us. It's it's this. It was born, you know. If if one of us was missing, it was it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't be the same the film without one of us. Um, but it 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 was a a, a process in which um, we permanently changed. Was were search exploring for things and searching for for the right thing to say and for. We constantly try, try to, to minimize this distance between the word and its meaning. It's very difficult to, to, to go to, the, to the, the, the essence. He was really good at listening and taking ideas, which is what I think you really need to do to, to make a good movie. You yeah. can't just have one person in charge. I, you need to have everybody contribute. That's like one of the reasons I hate the idea of like an like a single-minded auteur because like essentially what a director is yeah. is like a really good project manager like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah essentially but what I like about it is that he definitely seems like it, it's very personal to him because he's part of that generation that grew up during this rule yeah. during this seven uh, what's it called again uh oh decree decree 770 yeah. Yep. But then also like these women being able to contribute like what they think is like the right way to go about it. And I'm sure that probably led to that feeling of you feeling like it wasn't really hindered by the fact that it was directed by a yeah, man. Yeah, I also yeah, I feel like it was it felt very like informed. Like there was stuff like in the very beginning of the film before uh before they kind of go out for the day like gabita is waxing her legs like she's waxing her legs mm-hmm. to go get an abortion and i was like a man never would have thought of that like i know this was a woman's idea <laughs> um cuz like yeah. cuz a man's going to be looking at her legs so she wants to wax them yeah i i loved how early and uh, early on in this episode you said that there are little touches that add to the to the liveliness of this setting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this this movie has that you know the little flicker of the light the man handing over a ticket to her um and you're saying like that's an authentic thing mm-hmm. 
you know, her doing those little things. And the thing is, this movie is like these. This movie is shot in long takes. Yeah. Like I think there are like ten minute long takes for certain shots. Like the this movie does not have the same coverage that most other movies do. Um, so there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. That's where you really see the collaborative spirit, the collaborative experience of these of these actors and filmmakers come together and make something that feels detailed and rich in terms of okay this feels authentic yeah i think it's a great movie yeah is it tough oh, yeah. yes but it's it, i think we could all agree that it's well made oh, for sure. at the very least yeah. it's mm-hmm. tough um, but it's important and like i think it has a lot of valuable things to say yeah and uh i think it's worth watching yeah you know, now granted, you know, I, I was saying you need to expand your minds and you need to watch substance. But you know, if, <laughs> if you're, if, but if you're, you know, like Austin said, if you're someone who is not keen on watching sexual assault, um, or it, it, some of this stuff just bothers you from a different perspective. Not that it bothers you that like, well, I don't like that. It's just more like it hits on a personal level. Then, yes, I, it, it might not be best to watch this movie if you're willing to watch it. By all means, go for it. You're going to watch something that is very well put together with confident filmmakers and actors and actresses mm-hmm. just coming in, or just actors coming in, doing a phenomenal job. Um, but just, you know, if if this stuff does does uh, does make you uncomfortable, just know it is there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the toughest film we've talked about on this podcast. Well, I'm honored that you selected me to come on and analyze it <laughs> hey no but but you did a great job you did a great job you were dropping knowledge and you definitely added that perspective that i don't think austin and i would have would have brought um so that was so thank you for coming on again yeah, of course it was yes thank you and thank you for bringing up personal stories i was very brave and i Absolutely. thank you for that i cannot yeah. shut up so i feel i mean like honestly I don't know, it's just like part of my life. It always seems weird to me that it's something that like people don't talk about. But whatever. Anyways, yeah. No, okay, no, that's true. People don't talk about this, and if you have been talking about it, it just feels weird that it's like a shh, shh. We don't talk about it. It's like why though? Yeah. Who does that help? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the holding the secrets helps the people in power make your life worse. Literally, yeah. Um, but this is the part of the episode where we pick a quote, um, that represents how we feel about the movie um and sometimes it's our favorite quote sometimes it's a quote that summarizes the movie um we do this in lieu of giving a five-star rating because five-star ratings you don't listen to this podcast to hear our five-star <laughs> rating if you made it this far that you don't do that <laughs> so it's our it's kind of like our brand yeah um usually george goes first okay. mm-hmm. i forgot what we do when we have a guest do we let the guests go first? Uh, well, what would you like to go, Victoria? First or last or middle? Um, we'll I'd like decide. to go first because I don't want anybody else to pick my quote. Okay. okay. Perfectly fine. <laughs> for me, the quote <laughs> that sums up the whole movie is I'm not going to spend my life cooking potatoes for you. <laughs> Ooh, God. Da- That's you a know great what? one. I did that audibly. Like I did like, oh, shit. I love that quote. Yeah. Such a great quote. Uh, also, you want to go? Uh, Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this movie is how personal it felt and how realistic and relatable it felt. Even though these people are in a different country, you know, even though the movie is about somebody helping their friend get an abortion, some a position that I've never been in, 
but I would hope that I could be as strong as as Otilia. But the quote that like really made me feel like I am these characters, you know, was was when um, Adi was talking to Otilia in his room, and the mom comes in, <laughs> and she says, "Why is it so dark in here?" And then she turns on the light. <laughs> They're both crying. I can't tell you how many times. <laughs> How many times my mom has come into a room and turned on the light when it was off and we were fine? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like just that, that felt like it just made the character seem more human, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that was my quote. Why is it so dark in here? Nice. And mm-hmm. then she turns on the light <laughs> and leaves and she keeps the light on as she leaves too. Well, she... She sees what hap- She sees what's happening, and she's like, "You know what? I'm not even gonna ask." <laughs> yeah, it's the only part of the movie where I like laughed out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole scene was heart wrenching, so, but it was also yeah, pretty so funny. Good. So so well made. I I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can see why it's it's number fifteen on the greatest movies of the 21st century. Oh, wow. uh, from the BBC. Nice. I could kind of see it yeah. too. I, it makes sense. Uh, so my quote is actually from the same scene. So we all we all picked from the same scene. So it, it's all, but that I mean, it makes it makes sense. But that scene hits so hard. Like this is the scene right after the dinner where everyone's like, "Oh well, Otilia, you shouldn't smoke in front of your, you know." And she's yeah. confronting Adi, and this is it. Like she is letting out how she feels, and she is speaking nothing but the truth, and. My quote is actually a few lines of dialogue. Okay. Um, but it I think it summarizes the theme of the movie. It does it well. And it's between Audie and Otelia. Audie says, How am I to blame if you don't tell me? You want me to guess your problems? I could have helped Gabby. And Otelia says, Oh, sure. You can't even discuss it. How can you help? Audie replies, You have to be careful not to get and he's interrupted by Otilia where she delivers this. Don't worry, I won't rely on you. Mm. At least Gabita would help me. Mm. And that was the moment where I audibly just like, oh shit! <laughs> and that's the point of the film. It's the camaraderie that she has with Gabita and knowing that she has Gabita's back just like Gabita would have had her back. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of these women had each other's back. And I love that fucking line so much. I love that scene. Yeah. And I love how she leaves. And you know what she did to him after the movie ended. She dumped his ass. For sure. Fuck him. <laughs> Valid. So at least Gavita would help would have helped me. Or would help me. And I'm like, yep. Couldn't have said mm-hmm. it better. That was it. <sighs> Woo! Alright. I gotta go watch Paddington 2 now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Thank you for being Thanks on. Thanks for having me. Um, I had a great time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much again. Um, and we Gotta have, have, have you, you on for another yeah. one. Yes, I was going to say this time, something, <laughs> something. A you pick this time. I was, something actually, a li- a I was thinking about this and I have a question for you, George. Have you seen Grease? Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I have seen Grease. Unfortunately, we cannot do Grease. Why? Did you already do it? Because I already know someone who wants to oh, do okay. Grease. It's Melissa, my sister. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll Nelly, keep thinking. So, Sorry about, about that. Too. I haven't seen Grease 2. I haven't seen Grease 2 either. Is there a Grease 2? Yeah. Yes, there is. With uh, Michelle okay. Pfeiffer. Oh my it's god, terrible, what? Mm-hmm. But she is hot in it. Uh, oh, I yeah. love Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. 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 So, so I was actually talking to my sister and she and she was like, why haven't you invited me on the podcast? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I just 
assumed you didn't want to since you're my sister, you know? And she's like, no, I want wow. to. And I was like, so what movie would you want to talk about? And she's like, Grease. Nice. Because she grew up loving this yeah. movie. Like, this was the DVD that she would always watch, the VHS that she'd always, like, rewind. She knew all the songs and everything. And she's like, I'm really curious to see how it's aged because... One, should I have been watching this as a kid? And number two, I know that there are certain things that haven't held up. I'm curious yeah. to see how much. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a good point. And plus, you know, I haven't seen it in a while. That's what she wants to talk about. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. But I'll keep thinking. Any movie you want to talk about. Yeah. Any movie you want to talk about. I just, you, I really you, just wanted to you. make you watch a musical. So, um, I've made him watch TV. I know. I was. So I listened to your uh, Rocky Horror episode uh, yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, I oh, gotta figure you. out what musical I want to make George watch. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's funny. I keep saying I don't like him, but every musical I've been watching, I'm like, damn, I really like this. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, fuck, Rocky Horror was such a great. Rocky Horror is a lot of being, uh, He's being deconstructed. <laughs> His hatred for musicals. Exactly. <laughs> Man, this this whole podcast has me thinking, rethinking large aspects of my life. God damn it. How do I feel about musicals? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh but no. we have to end this episode. It's gone yeah. on for a long time and you have a lot of editing to do, George. So that's okay. Vic, how do you prefer what do you prefer people call you vika or victoria um, i respond to both it doesn't really matter to me i usually go by vika on the internet because it's shorter um okay. but yeah Excellent. you can refer to me however you want okay vika where can people find you or listen to your podcast impure rethought you can listen to impure rethought on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you get you po- wherever you get your podcasts um uh, you can also find the link straight on our website, which is just impurethought.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at village underscore witch. Excellent. Uh, is, there, is there a way we could put the link to her podcast under the description in our episode? Yes. Austin? Great. Yes. So we will we will do that as well so people can find you very easily. Amazing. I had a great time. Got to put my film degree to use. Amazing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at retrograde underscore pod. Retrograde underscore pod. Uh, we are going to come out with another episode in two weeks. Don't know what that is yet. We've, we've said, every time we've said, we're going to do this movie next, it turns out to not be that movie. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just stop doing that to you. <laughs> uh, you. We will be working on Patreon content. Ooh. Uh, one of those will be a tier list for Marvel movies and reviews for the new Marvel movies coming out and all that stuff. But also some other releases, too, because we like to talk about more than just nerd stuff. And I think that's it. That's it, right? I think that's it. I think we got right. it covered, man. All right. We will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>